Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So it's another pole position for Francois Kerman and the DKR Engineering squad, car number three, to start alongside Eric Trier, the first of the two Graf cars. Then it'll be Adrian Schiller, the second from that French squad, to start from third position ahead of Michael Benham, who returns to the championship. Land and Racing were at Barcelona, but a very nasty-looking crash affected their weekend early on, actually, during one of the free practice sessions, and it meant the car was too badly damaged to take part in the race. But Mikey Benham and Duncan Tappy returning, having lost their championship lead in Barcelona. But there is still time yet for them to gather some points back again. Car 25 starting from fourth position. Tony Wells for Nielsen Racing. The T-sider will start from fifth position alongside Marcello Maratiotto, who certainly kept it, uh, qualifying entertaining for us earlier on with one or two off-track moments. But at the end of it, a good time to put him sixth. Nicolas Mellin briefly was second for racing experience he finished up seventh and we'll start on that we'll start on that fourth row with AT Racing's Alexander Talkinich it's a junior the number 90 car Morris Smith for Cool Racing to start ninth in car 74 alongside the Motorsport 98 entry Eric Dodonka and they of course are at their home race Dodonka sharing with Dino Linardi in a Belgian and French combination. The first of the GT3s is Fabian Levin's Lucic Racing Ferrari. The Swiss outfit will start from 11th position alongside Kio Racing and Alain Costa. Mark Crader in the 20 grain market racing Norma to be 13th, just ahead of the second GT3 car, Kessel Racing Ferrari of Sergio Pianazzola. Just noticed, by the way, and had explained um, something I wasn't expecting, which is the last car on the grid is the beach for the AMR Aston Martin Andrew Howard. Didn't qualify there in the 99 car, but there's been an engine change for that car, so as a result of that, that's what the rule book says. Andrew will start the race from the back of the field, but uh, his pace in qualifying was such likely to see him actually making some progress there. Without doubt, and Andrew to start with Ross Gunn to clamber on board later on, but yes, and the initial results charts that 99 car was much further up i had it in fourth position correct i think that's right with the 220.708 but effectively those times were deleted because of a brand new engine we'll see how they get on make sure all the screws are in the right place and and uh, all the uh, i's are dotted the t's are crossed and we're about to go racing in the sunshine here at spa francorchamps already the front two having a bit of fun and games maybe a little bit of contact as they headed into the chicane at 50 kph also it's about to get a lot lot faster than that there with two hours on the clock round five of the michelin le mans cup about to get racing here at spa the red lights finally are extinguished now and it is a good getaway from francois kerman eric truier trying to cut across the bows of teammate adrian schiller but i don't think going to be able to get there in time and Schiller therefore will get into second place meanwhile right in the middle of the pack car 74 and two further machines getting tangled up one of them is the 96 so 74 96 and we're going to have to work out which the third of those cars was I think it was the Kia racing car I think it was the 43 car was in there as well there were uh, four cars involved there 
hiding behind the 74, but it was that both the cool racing cars, I think, get caught up with that one. Meantime, Mikey Benham, by the way, through to third position, and Tony Wells through to fourth. 22 was delayed in all of that, which is the United Autosports car, only just leaving that source Jim now. Jim McGuire. Great little battle as Andrew Howard already made his way past for at least three cars. Oh, runs wide though. That's not going to help his charge. That's classic commentator's Wasn't curse it there, just? Sorry, Andrew. Uh, the other car to look out for is Andrea Pacini because he's the goal being put into the car for the starting stick for car 60. So Piccini, let's just check. Yes, he is the goal and Claudio Schiavone qualified the car earlier on but expect Pacini to make very quick progress here he's right behind Christoph Ulrich who had a spin at Bruxelles during qualifying late on the brakes goes Pacini and that's a fantastic overtake for the Italian uh, more about position rather than speed into the bus stop chicane and that will be second place in the GT3 category it's a puncture for the 71 so that will explain why it's lost so much ground but surely that punctures come from contact in the initial getaway because very unusual to have a puncture just happen naturally this early in the race and particularly being a front tyre as well so has someone turned across him or did he go for a move which didn't quite come off but Fabian Laverne going to have to be an early pit stop and this is a lot of ground lost it is indeed and could that be the defining factor in this championship that's a, that's a major upset for the 71 crew meantime Mikey Benham hanging on to the lead two cars overall as we just got a quick shot Jim McGuire is on pit lane as well right now but uh, Fabian Laverne in some world. There's the 22 car, clearly with some impact damage to the front of that car. Yeah. Now, was it the 22 that was caught alongside the 96 Cool Racing car? Uh, we'll see again. Yes. Watch the middle order here. So, what goes wrong? I think it's all going wrong in the middle. The Kia Racing car cuts to the inside, goes inside the Kessel car. What happens here? And. It was, oh, it was the Ferrari's got sandwiched, so that was, is what explains uh, F um, Fabian Levern's issue. Jim, Jim McGuire was certainly involved. The Kia racing car was involved. What wasn't clear is who hits who. Yes. It seemed to me that the 74 car was actually an innocent party there. Possibly so. It'd be good to see the shots from behind Lassau, so looking down the direction of travel in, in slow motion. Oh. And the initial a lot of that was knock-on effect as you quite rightly say and that's you know we talk about qualifying not really being that important for a two-hour race what it does do is keep you out of all that trouble at the start particularly here at La Source which you know oh it's very sideways oh. for Benham and he's lost it completely Michael Benham who was charging up the order he got up to third position and now he's going to have to watch everyone get those places back again Benham starting from fourth so he had gained one spot and came in sideways didn't he that and was failed to gather it up before he got through the apex there and I think he's rejoined after Maratiotti he has he's dropped from third to seventh with that mistake Mikey Benham that was the law of diminishing returns really wasn't it he was, tr he was trying to gather the moment all the way through the right hander but eventually the pendulum just swung that bit too far and he couldn't hold on to it but thankfully there was a gap in the traffic for him to rejoin as you say in seventh place so it's still very costly he had a moment in qualifying earlier on in the day as well where he nearly charged into the back of Tony Wells, but I think that was more to do with Wells breaking a little bit early and a warming up lap, whereas Benham was on a qualifying lap and uh, fully on it. However, Andrea Pacini 
Now up to second place, it's a Kessel 1-2 in GT3, and Piccini, despite being the gold, is going to have a job on his hands here to reel in Sergio Pianazzola. He's the bronze in the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari. The gap right now is nine seconds, but there are four P3 cars, five P3 cars, now four, because he's gone past Claudio Zetovanovic. Um, it's four, four cars between the two. But nine seconds and four cars separate, and as Jim McGuire gets away after replacement, nose being offered for the number 22 Two Mercedes running together, and one of them is possibly Dexter Muller. It's the seven car. Uh, it is Dexter Muller in the 54 for SPS Automotive Performance. So Scuderia Villorba Corsa is Roberto Pampanini in that... Uh, unmistakable gold and black colour coloured car and then we got behind that uh, the other AMG GT3 of SPS Automotive Performance and then it's a recovering Andrew Howard so three front engine GTs together so he's passed the other, the third uh, Mercedes MG car, the Krypton car of Marco Zanettini Uh, so Andrew Howard's recovered one of the places he lost in that wild moment to the outside he's back into the top 20 he's up into 6th position and on the heels of the two other AMG engined cars. Remember, the Aston Martin has all been breathed on by uh, Aston Martin, but uh, actually an AMG unit in that car. That's a good point, yeah, as uh, is the case for the GT Pro Aston Martins as well, turbocharged these days. Across the line go the race leaders in LMP3 then, and continuing to build the lead because that last lap was uh, nearly two seconds faster than Adrian Schiller Francois Kerman so he's continuing to impress another problem for Michael Benham I'm afraid he's now facing the concrete on the exit that's of La Source that's corner. a horrible place to be as well that might well be something we need more than a yellow flag for and there was a clear instruction during the driver's briefing earlier on in the week about how you recover from a moment like that and already some penalties dished out to other drivers who rejoined in an unsafe manner the difficulty is you've got to locate reverse let's find out how he ended up there right behind Marcello Maratiotto he hit the back of the car he, he hit the back of the DKR car yeah there was contact and another car going wide now is that Piccini yes it is that's uh, Piccini trying just a little too hard I'm afraid he's lost places as well so having uh, lauded praise on Andrea Piccini's shoulders he's down down a sixth place because that was a very substantially slower lap wasn't it that was six seven seconds lost there yeah don't know whether he ended up uh, somewhere towards the Marshalls post there. I remember, was it uh, Brennan Hartley years ago? Went through the Marshalls post. He went he through the, yeah, in the WEC race. In the, in the Porsche. Uh, in the Porsche, yes. Uh, not Toyota, to be Toyota these days. Um, Christoph Ulrich, second as a result of that moment then for Andrea Puccini. Also to benefit, Roberto Pampanini now third, Dexter Muller fourth, Andrew Howard is up to fifth, and the Krypton Motorsport Mercedes of Zanutini's benefited as well. I wonder if Puccini has got a problem here. He is losing more time. He's lost 12 seconds in the first sector because he wouldn't have been able to get to the pits from there. That's the problem. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's picked up a puncher. That's certainly possible. He's going out of speaker's corner now, by the way. Also, Mercedes jostling for position. And Dexter Muller's got the place yep. on Pampanini. So, Dexter Muller with a 51 Ferrari up ahead. Christoph Ulrich. So, Ulrich staying where he is. But he's about to be charged down by the, these three cars that have been hard at it ever since the red lights went down. Uh, meantime, while we're watching this, and as well we should, uh, Tony Wells is catching Adrian Chiller. Has been for the last couple of laps. Is taking quite a chunk of time. Adrian Chiller, I think, may have a problem too because his lap times are not what they should be at this point. 
Somebody else potentially tumbling down the order. No, that's just uh, Mikey Benham gaining places on Zanutini. Unfortunately, Benham's rejoined 15th now in the LMP3 category, but at least he's back in the race. And that looked like it might need something more severe, like a full-course yellow to enable him to get back into the race safely. But probably with uh, a lot of help from the marshals down at La Source, he was given clear instruction to reverse and rejoin slowly and surely. The number two car is now being challenged for position. This is for third and fourth, as Graham points out. Tony Wells ahead of Eric Truier, but Truier showing good speed up the Camel Strait. Two Normas then, third and fourth currently. But they are catching the second place car as well, both of them. Uh, that was nearly three seconds, uh, the gap two, three laps ago, two laps ago. Uh, they've half that gap through the Rouge, up through Radion. You're definitely right about Andrea Puccini. He's slower again, taking him 90 seconds to do the middle sector, which is basically from the breaking point into Necon down to Campus Corner, the old Stavolo right-hander. Where do you break here then, chaps? Because it's all together. Ferrari, Mercedes, Mercedes, Aston Martin. This is for second position in the GT3 category, and I bet Sergio Pianazzola is pleased to be up the road and clear of this little lot. And behind them, Mikey Benham trying to make his way through, having just set the fastest first edge of the lap. I'm sure there's a fair amount of adrenaline involved there. I think he's very revved up, having made uh, two errors now, unfortunately. Of course, they are desperate to keep the point scoring going in the remaining few races. Benham to the inside of Pampanini and should be able to pick him off this time into Pouon. As work now is taking place on Giacomo Puccini's Ferrari, I can only assume. Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not a puncture. There are problems at the front of that car. And, uh, certainly found a switch for the windscreen wiper there, I noticed, because that was swishing backwards and forwards. So Andrea Puccini limping back. All four Michelin tyres do indeed seem to be inflated. So a mystery at the moment for the, the Swiss squad. We'll find out whether that car can rejoin. It's... Uh, a tale of, well, two very different stories at Kessel because one of their cars leads the class and is now up as high as ninth position. The other one looking at retirement in the face at this stage. Indeed, that, uh, of course, seeds a position and that could still be important for Fabian Laverne. Just looking at what his speed is like at the moment. Uh, Laverne in the 221s is rapidly catching the cars that's, ahead of him. That's, I think, the fastest lap of the race for GT3. So Laverne, no doubt about his speed now that he's got uh, four inflated tyres. And not sure whether that was a pincer movement down into La Source the first time of asking or whether he was trying to muscle his way. There's a slow car that's there, that's the, the Kia, Kia racing car on an outlap a la Costa. And I think possibly doing the gentlemanly thing and allowing those cars through, although that's mm, it's not right, is it? Nowhere close to up to speed. No. That car involved in that Turn 1 incident, that looks to be down to me at the front le uh, left-hand side. I would agree with you there. Meanwhile, Roberto Pampanini's dropped away from the battle for second place in GT3. Mikey Benham making it, still though a three-car scrap. He's trying to get by these four positions. Correct. They're all on the same lap. And Christoph Ulrich trying to fend off the red and black Mercedes behind him, Dexter Muller. There is Pampanini away in the distance, gold and black Mercedes. Pampanini being monstered by uh, Andrew Howard in the Aston Martin as all three of those cars make it past what looks like a stricken Kia racing car, mercifully out of the way of that with the two GT cars following, also following through.
Bennon pulls by and away. He's back up to 16th position now. 15th, 14th in class, rather. Out of turn nine, go the second and third place cars in GT3. Then there's the gap back to fourth and fifth. Just two laps ago, they were all locked together. It'd be nice to have a four-car train once more, but Sergio Pianetzola showing everybody else how it's done here at Spa-Francorchamps, having taken victory in the championship last year, 2018. And this turn of fate now, which puts the 71 car way, way down the order because of an early puncture. I wonder whether... How long was that pit stop for the Ferrari? It was only 53 seconds, so they haven't uh, played a canny one there to do a longer pit stop to get that out of the way. A minute and 55 seconds is the mandatory pit stop that must be served, but you don't necessarily have to do your driver change at the same time. And we are nearly 15 minutes in to this two-hour affair at Spa-Francorchamps, the fifth round of the season for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Nose to tail, heading up the Kemmel Strait, and this is for still third and fourth positions. Tony Wells... Not going to defend this time, I don't think. No, he is. Very last uh, ditch indeed. And Eric Truyer has to go up the curve as a result. Not sure whether Truyer was fully alongside to make the pass. But it didn't look like a great deal of defence being offered initially by Tony Wells. Meanwhile, Dexter Muller trying to get by the Ferrari. And in the background, eagle-eyed Graham Goodwin spotted that Andrew Howard has got ahead of Roberto Pampanini. There's confirmation of it. The headlights are on for the Aston. Absolutely. He's on a charge again. First time he's been in front of that car, but uh, we'll be doing his best to keep it on the grey stuff this time. Another challenge here. This is the Krypton Motorsport car, the EB Motors Porsche as they come down towards the Rouge. Past that camera. Awfully quick through there. This is the battle for sixth position, nose to tail. Porsche makes it up through Radion. Not under immediate pressure. That's a move through the comb. Sees Tony Wells just pull out a little bit of a gap, a bit of a struggle, by the way, into the, the corner. Black and orange flag for the number 11 car, meanwhile. That is the racing experience car of Nico Manat. That's the one we're looking at here. And what is that for? What damage have we got on that car, Johnny Palmer? It's the rear left, isn't it? Is it carrying its, uh, its little carrying cheese wedge? It is. Yeah, towing it because there's a cable attached to that, because that's where the rear light would normally sit. You're absolutely correct. And it is the sometimes called the legality panel, sometimes called the bullet, but it is uh, now adrift of that car and just hanging on, literally by a thread. So that car being told, it must pit, and it duly does. Yeah. So hopefully that can be fixed, but of course you can't just rip that panel off and run the car without it, nope. because it is a legal part. So they've got to work out a way now of either fitting a new one or strapping that one back into position. Always tricky. Ulrich versus Muller. This is still second and third in GT3. Ferrari up against Mercedes. Delicately balanced in the BOP uh, technology and the algorithm that is employed these days in G the GT3 world. Also, a little further back is the Aston Martin making a break. So Andrew Howard clearly was being held up by Roberto Pampanini and now he's the right side of the Italian. Can he start to make that a three-way dice for second position in GT3? Well, he's closing. Two and a half seconds is the gap to look for there. We'll keep an eye on that one, but I think that's going to come down remarkably quickly because the other two are dicing ahead. It's costing them time. It's got the racing experience team in the right-hand side looking at what they can do to re-secure that legality panel. And the 
taking that one away, they're going to fit the whole new unit. That's going to take a long time. I'm sure they're well rehearsed in doing this sort of thing. Well, panels that uh, are all important, as I say, uh, enforced by the rules makers and the te te technical regulations that are released at the start of the year, but they're also susceptible to being torn off if you are involved in an incident. We've had uh, all too much contact already, and this race is barely 20 minutes old. Dexter Muller wanting to be as late on the brakes as he can be, and they come, but still Christoph Ulrich is driving a neat and tidy race to this point, despite the relentless pressure from behind. Ulrich, a driver that's come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of seasons, so pushed in the Mon Cup to be certainly in contention for podium finishes. Yep. Having to employ good defensive tactics here. Meanwhile, Tony Wells in the graph racing car looks to the inside. Is the room there for it? Tony's not going to like that one. He tries to close the door, left it a little too late, and it's going to graph 2 3 now. Yes, and next question is can those cars get closer to one another? Will Tony Wells be dragged along by the car in front as well, utilising the toe a little bit down Kemmel Strait? But, yeah, Eric Trier been carrying some good speed in qualifying earlier on, and that's translated well into the race now. So, two graph cars, second and third. Look at this little gaggle coming into the bus stop chicane. The, one of them is actually the GT3 leader. We haven't seen Sergio Pianazzola a great deal in the blue with the white stripes Kessel Racing Ferrari. But he is definitely in amongst a load of GT3, of, of LMP3 cars, I should say. Rob Hodes right behind in the 23. Well, also, John Schaumann in car four. In fact, uh, Pinatello has just lost a position to the number 30 CD Sport car, and that is uh, eighth position overall. He's now down to, in fact, loses two because Hodes, as well, was a move for position. So drops down to tenth position with two more cars. That's uh, Schaumann and Mark Crader tucking in behind. So this is a period of time where... He's doing well, to be honest with you. Let these P3 cars get out of the way and get on with his battle. His battle is against the clock and not for overall position at this stage. Had taken that car, by the way, up as high as eighth overall. The difficulty is that the straight line speed is comparable yeah. with the Ferrari. So, actually, yeah, he can do his level best in allowing them through, but when you've got your foot flat to the floor... You're actually level pegging with the LMP3s, and then it's into the corners that the prototype Absolutely. have the firm advantage. So it's tough in amongst that little gaggle. He doesn't want to be involved in any contact because he's nursing this very decent lead, but also not wanting to lose any time to cars behind. Bearing in mind, once the golds and the silvers take over at about half distance, it could all start to condense very nicely. Looks like maybe the 60 car is out for good. I think so. Meantime, by the way, released from behind Tony Wells here at Trulier is closing the gap on the second place graph car very rapidly indeed. Just three tenths of a second through the, the last timing loop. Uh, but it does appear that Andrea Puccini's car is out of the race. The only man to find out from is the man himself. Now with Charlie George. Yeah, I'm down here at Kessel with Andrea. Not the way you wanted this race to go. Um, what exactly happened with the car? Uh, we had an issue with the power steering. It just broke. It's a shame because uh, we had a very good start. We got from last almost. We went already P2, so everything was going well. But suddenly, just locks up. It broke, so we had to stop. And always a shame not to get to race here at Fantastic Spa. 
Yeah, it's a shame, especially for Claudio, my teammate, because I'll have the chance to race tomorrow in the ELMS. So I'm very disappointed, especially for him, but that's racing. We can't do much. Bad luck. Thank you. So that explains the moment that Andrea had into the Bostop chicane. As the two Graf cars are going to go side by side here, and Adrian Truyer, or rather Eric Truyer and Adrian Schiller, switch positions, and Truyer on a right old tear here, up to second place now. Absolutely, that looked more happening in the background. Uh, we've got uh, the Nielsen Racing car, uh, Tony Wells under pressure, was he? No, I think that was actually a, a, a lapped car. But there's a car right on the tail of uh, Tony Wells. Got a black and orange flag now for the number 74 car. That is the cool racing car that was involved in that multi-car issue at the start of the race. Racing experience car still having that, uh, that repair. And it's going to be a drive-through penalty, meanwhile, for the 22. Jim McGuire for causing the collision at the start of the race. So it looked like, you see again, if you have a look for the aero car, running car in the middle of that pack, it's over to the left-hand side, just on the things the pit wall up the inside, the silver-blue car, and he hits the Ferrari, and then the Kia racing car, which is then catapulted into the 74. Yeah. That, that was the way that worked. It was a sideways glance likely the one that caused the uh, puncture for the 71 car, there, there is Fabian Laverne just bailing out and he realised there's no grip there from that corner and then I'm afraid Jim McGuire made contact with the uh, first the Kia racing car which then barrelled into the 74 and that's uh, caused problems for both of those cars long pit stop for the Kia car and now uh, the 74 car with damage to the rear that's going to require intervention for the pit crew. Poor old Fabian Laverne attacked from, well, the right side initially and then that forced his car into a car to his left as well so it was a pincer movement that I think he had very little to do with and consequently front left tyre goes down very, very quickly on the championship leading car, bear in mind, and Fabian Laverne now only in ninth position having visited the pits but he's going to have to come in again a, to switch to his co-driver, Michael Mack, and B, to do the mandatory pit stop, which has to be a minute and 55 seconds minimum. And uh, Laverne is about to take a position on track from John Hartshaw, but after that, there's a long gap, a long gap, before he gets to uh, do battle for seventh position with Marcus Anatini. Almost a minute to pick up on. 25 and 20, that is Mark Crader. Seeding position to the recovering Mikey Benham. 12th position overall, 11th in class. But it was Crader who did, had to do a lot of wheel twiddling as he came out of the chicane and onto the main straight with uh, the car lacking a little bit of front grip, it looked like, but it all came, all stemmed from a, a rearward moment that he had to correct. So, yes, that was another place picked off by Benham as a result. There is the 71 Ferrari at Pouar with right behind... Morris Smith in also no it's not Morris Smith it's one of the Graf cars so that will be car number nine second place overall already starting to lap GT3 cars so Eric Trouillet trailing the race leader by 10 seconds this is lap 11 and actually building a gap on teammate Adrian Schiller 3.1 seconds that overtake only happened the previous lap didn't it so yes, and at the moment Schiller is caught in traffic I think this this gap is going to expand quite radically does so by a further three seconds in the second sector. It's all traffic. So bad luck, bad timing there for Adrian Chiller, but he's now got his mirrors full of Tony Wells, who's done a rather better job in that traffic. has pulled back a second and a half, two seconds. 
trouble for Eric Dodonka. It's a spin for the Motorsport 98 car. That car is or seventh. Will still retain seventh, but will have a much reduced gap to charging CD Sport number 30 car. That comes down to six seconds now. Yeah, Jeff Wolf charging hard and will be further revved up. Now, was a contact between Maratiotto. This was for position with the number 55 yep. car. And again, not quite a full width for an MP3 car to squeeze through. Marcello Maratiotto, though, defending relatively last minute there in the number five car. Contact was made at Campus Corner, and it results in a spin for the home-grown driver, Belgian Eric de Donker, with the Motorsport 98 crew. So they're going to have to work hard again to get back up the order. And the first job is to fend off Jack Wolf in the CD Sport car. It's going to be an early stop, actually, for Marcello Maratiotto as well. Now, is that related to the incident we've just witnessed? Must be. So maybe damage to the floor or to the side of that car, and Maratiotto pitting from sixth position. So the, the five car, yet again, and that's a great move up the inside to grab fourth position from Alexander Tankanitsa. Grabs it from Tony Wells. That uh, was going from a long way back. Tony Wells seemed to have that covered. Yellow flags being shown. Turn 13. And that is the Krypton Motorsport car off the road and unable to get traction. Well, that's Marco Zanettini going off on his own, it would appear. But that area I'd already spotted is incredibly dusty this weekend with cars shortcutting the first bit of Lefania and bringing quite a bit of dirt and soil onto the track and the Michelin's just scrabbling for grip he's nosed into the barrier cannot get traction to pull away back from that yeah so locating reverse is one thing but if the car's caught in the in the rubber belt which protects the tyre wall Marshall's running to Marco Zanettini's aid straight away I would imagine He's okay in the cockpit there because it was relatively it was, it was light a, contact. It was a very light contact. But, but if, the, uh, if the front of that car's got wedged in the tyres, which it looks like it has, uh, it's very, very tricky now. And indeed, the grass uh, might not be offering a great deal of grip either. 74 is in. This isn't, again, for a, a regular pit stop, though. Morris Smith, but that was one of the cars that damaged at last source. That was one of the cars that so was caused with black and yellow. Okay. Right rear damage for the 74. I'm sure that would have been caused in that first corner. Shunter, maybe the bullet there has just given its best. And Tuckanitsa, by the way, is charging here. He's pulled away from Tony Wells. He's now challenging the number 39 car for third position. Uh, Jim McGuire's served a drive through as uh, he was instructed to do so. The next time, hopefully, that car visits the pits, therefore, will be for its five-second stop and the driver change. Meanwhile, no let-up in the pace of cars as they scrape the ground at Eau Rouge and head up the very steep hill indeed. It's tough just to actually walk up that, and until you've done that, you don't fully recognise the height that is gained up over Radion. And at the end of the Camel Strait, turning point now for Adrian Schiller with, as you say... Alexander Talkinitsa Jr. very much for company. Meanwhile, Rob Hodes now has right behind him Mikey Benham, and that is for ninth and tenth places. It is. It's a further recovery from Mikey Benham. He's gone by the GT3 leader into tenth position. Now looking for way past Rob Hodes to get up to ninth. A minute back though from the lead. Yeah. After that, the gap starts to become more significant. Goes to the outside on the Kimmel straight. In fact, there's the, there's the other car that's 
within wheezy reach. John Schaumann ahead in the better place of the pair of cool racing cars from the four car. That car a couple of seconds ahead of that battle. Double yellow now at turn 13. I wonder how they're going to deal with recovery of that car. The car's gone from where it was. No, it's been, just been pushed backwards by the marshals to regain the track by the look of things. OK, so... I think you're absolutely right. I think it was hooked up on the barrier. Yeah, either uh, yeah, either the front wheel slightly off the ground or the, the nose of the car, the bonnet stuck underneath part of the tyres. Difficult to tell from the angle we were being shown, but Marco Zanatini will have shoved it into reverse straight away and buried his right foot, but probably gone nowhere scrabbling around on the grass there. So car 35, fingers crossed it will return to the race. Otherwise, Stefano Pazuki, who I think qualified the car really well today. Two bronzes for the 35 this weekend. Pazuki's driven it, therefore, but not yet in the race. Andrew Howard, closing, closing, closing. Um, next to Muller, and the number 54 MG. This is for podium position in GT. And Ulrich, to be fair to him, has really Ulrich. provided stout defence. And it's almost as if Dexter Muller now has not much more up his sleeve. Struggling, this Mercedes, for me. And uh, Andrew Howard might be able to pick it off very quickly indeed. Now, are those tyres that have been pushed too much? Is there a hint of a slow puncture, perhaps, for Dexter Muller? But uh, he's given all that he can do. And now, Andrew Howard getting closer and closer in the fourth-placed Beach Dean sponsored Aston. Yep, headlamps are on. Oh, and that's another moment. And it's again Mikey Benham. It's at the bus stop again. So was that some contact for the 25? No, it was The car's just spun away. Maybe just a little bit too trigger-happy. It looked like it, didn't it, on the throttle. Dusty track, and Mikey spins away a place or several again. Had already got ahead of Rob Hodes, I note, though, and Hodes immediately gains the place back again. Dear me. So whilst he was looking set fair to get up to eighth position, he's rejoined and he's now back to 12th. It's topsy-turvy stuff, isn't it? Through comes the second, third, fourth place group. Lights on on the Aston Martin. Very soon, I think we're going to hear the ice cream van chimes, which shows he's still looking to get through. Green sleeves, cover. Well, is, it, is that right? This this day, it changes daily. I've heard. Um, now down towards the Kemmel, the end of the Kemmel Strait, that might be an opportunity to overtake. Otherwise, you're probably looking at the end of the lap into the bus stop chicane, depending on where Andrew Howard can be a little quicker. But across the piece, across the seven kilometres of a lap, clearly Howard. Finding his rhythm now, and I think Dexter Muller's tyres have seen better days. So the Mercedes is not offering quite the speed that it had in the early portion of the race. Still running in third, so a good position for it to be handed over to Yannick Mettler, who is the silver-rated driver. Benham gaining a place again, as like snakes and ladders this race so far for Benham. He gains some and then uh, loses one or two. Oh, he's off the track again. Well held, though, coming out of... Lefania, and that again demonstrates to me quite how dusty Lefania has become through the course of the day. It's very warm this weekend, and that means that uh, the grass right next to the track is incredibly dry. And if you do shortcut and venture off the curbs, off the track and off the curbs, you're going to bring quite a bit of dirt back on again. And 
that means that uh, grip is at a real premium. It might go some way to explaining a bizarre LMP3 session earlier on. Uh, Philippe Albuquerque was something like seven tenths of a second quicker than everybody else. And wondering when that qualifying session was going to come alive. Well, it never really did. It certainly did if you're part of the United Autosports camp. But everybody else is struggling for the time. And we assume grip this weekend at Spa. Absolutely right. Tony Rawls, meanwhile, is back in the hunt with the graph car. Adrian Schiller. Right behind through traffic again this time. And we in sector one. Andrew Howard is continuing attack. And yes, that's the, the gap. This for fourth position. Of course, Tony looking to do what he can to keep this car in the hunt before we get in. Something like 20, 25 minutes to the point where the final change will happen. Colin Wells, it will be a board number two car. Take up that fight. It has got away. Here. 11 and a bit seconds is the gap between Francois Kerman and Eric Trouillet, by the way. But yes, it's tighter between Talkanitsa and Adrian Schiller. Let's hear from Mikkel Mack, who's Fabian Laverne's teammate at the 71, with Charlie now. Yeah, I'm down here at Lizich Racing. It all looked like it was going so well, didn't it? You started from pole position, leading the championship, and unfortunately, it's not going quite so well now. Yeah, it was a very uh, gone bad. Uh, very unlucky start for us. Uh, we will still uh, do our best for every single point we can get now. And of course, you have a longer pit stop as well. Yeah, we have 29 seconds, so it's going to be really, really tough. But uh, yeah, we do our best and trying to get the maximum points we can. But in other good news, you've just become a dad. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I hope the rest of the race goes much better. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there is a slight silver lining then to the cloud that currently <laughs> hovers over Lucic Racing. And of course, we wish uh, Mikkel Max family... Uh, new members included, the very best. An exciting time in Mikkel's life currently, but he would dearly like to be better placed in this race. Uh, as there's more drama, oh, this is the 35, of course, recovering from its moment earlier on when it was wedged in the tyres, and car 35 still being oh, driven by... Oh, and again, Mikey Benham spins it out. Late on the brakes and loses it. That's very similar to the incident that happened in qualifying for Mikey earlier on. And the car switching ends on him into the bus stop. I think he avoided contact with the he car did. up ahead, though. He did. Yeah. So that was with... Oh, it was with the 39. Adrian Schiller, fourth position at the time. So it wasn't actually a move. No, that was, no, that was, the, that was the earlier move. And that was the... Yes. OK. dizzy, isn't he? I think if you had a dog in that cockpit, he'd be kicking it right now. <laughs> so the most recent incident was... This one. With the United car. That was the that was the incident uh, for ninth position just a few moments ago. And Either Rob Holmes Johnson, or the Jim team McGuire. manager there, with the red overalls looking like a silver-haired ribbons barrichello. Um, with gesticulation there, showing his displeasure. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's a wild display from Mikey Benham. Unusual as well yes, for Benham because he's normally metronomic in his consistency, and I think unfortunately you know you make it, you get tangled up in an early problem, and then you're chasing your tail all of the time to try and recover the lost ground. And Duncan Tappy will be taking that car over at about half distance once Benham's done 55 minutes or so of driving. 
but uh, this is one to forget, unfortunately, for Michael Benham, who's now receiving the black and white flag for dangerous driving standards. So, not altogether surprising. The message from race control there. Also, interestingly, the team manager, the car 54, is being summoned to the race director. That's Dexter Muller's Mercedes that was following Christoph Ulrich for a long, long time as the repair work at Krypton Motorsport can now commence because 35 has arrived on a busy pit road this afternoon. Marco Zanettini then, with the help from the marshals, I think, the very least instruction as to how to get out of those tyres down at Nefania safely, has limped back to the uh, back to the pits and now hopefully will receive some repair work and we can get him back out in the race. Uh, I'll say one thing uh, in terms of the Mikey Benham stuff, which is... You've got to ask the question, it's happened so often, is Mikey overdriving it? Is there a problem with that car? Yeah. It is a new car to the team. This is its first race with the team. Now, whilst you know we're signing this off as being rather adrenaline fueled run after some disappointment early in the race, is the, car, is the car carrying an issue? I don't think so, but it's always a possibility, and I'm sure Charlie will find out at some point later in the race. Yeah, I, we certainly shouldn't rule that out. Um and uh, the only man that can tell us is Mikey Benham himself um, and we will, I'm sure we'll get a chance to have a word later on as Dexter Muller heads towards Blanchemont with still Andrew Howard very much in tow that is the fight for third and fourth in GT3 a Fabian Laverne update having just heard from his teammate Mikkel Mack well seventh position is where we find the Lucic Racing Ferrari 17 seconds adrift of the next car up the road, which is the Epi Motors Porsche of Paolo Venerossi. Two things to say about that, as we see uh, a weaving of Tony Wells looking for a way through. One is, of course, he's gained a position because of the problems of the Krypton AMG. But two, when he overtook uh, John Hartshorn, there was a 48-second gap to the car ahead. It's now down to 17. He's taken a full 30 seconds out of the EP Motors Porsche since making that move on Hartshorn. Through Paul Frere goes that fight for uh, fourth position then, with Leverne about to be lapped by both Schiller and Wells. And Leverne just driving straight off the track there. I think more in an effort to stay out of the way of this battle. He's now found himself right in the middle of the track, but sensibly gets to. Oh, but Schiller overcooks it. Now, this might be a chance for Tony Wells. Schiller clearly taking a slight advantage there. Is he going to concede the place? or just the ground that he supposedly made up by straight line in the second bit of the bus stop. Laverne wants to be out of this, ideally. He doesn't want to be involved in an LMP3 fight for fourth and fifth overall. And now Tony Wells is going to leave La Source probably about the same distance from the back of the graph car, but certainly one or two car lengths gained yeah. there, I would have said, by Schiller. I would have thought so. Wells had a bit of a moment ahead of Schiller, because when he arrived, he watched where he arrived at the bus stop. There's already smoke there before he gets to the apex. Look from the left-hand side, they smoke already. Yes. So someone else has had a moment. Maybe gone well off stage right there. <laughs> Disappeared into... The, there is a fair bit of runoff for obvious reasons because it's a high-speed approach into the Boston chicane. Tony Wells literally with his head down at the end of the camel straight. Looking to close the gap. Engaging stuff from this pair for quite some time. Lead gap, by the way, 13 seconds, nearly 14 seconds, and almost equidistant with the second and third. With Tarkin, it's a junior starting this race, so it's the regular two drives in the 18 race. So, lots of cards still to play here. 
Schiller went deep into Bruxelles that time around as well, where it was a much more conventional line for the car behind Tony Wells. So a little bit more time gained on the Frenchman for the Brit behind. And this is fourth and fifth, I'll remind you. Eric de Donker, a bit of a recovery drive for him in car number 98, Motorsport 98 entry. And the second best of the Ligiers, that car is 23 seconds adrift, though, of this duo for fourth and fifth. Still, Andrew Howard can't quite make a full impression on Dexter Muller's pace. It did look like Muller was struggling for the last few laps, but maybe that pace has stabilised now. He's still got Christoph Ulrich in his sights. So the 55 Ferrari, the all-red car, is second. Then the Mercedes, the red and black of SPS Automotive Performance. And then the Aston Martin, which takes a little bit of a look. That's more distracting tactics, I think, rather than a firm manoeuvre from Andrew Howard. I would say I think this is the most convincing uh, race this season in Michelin One Cup from Andrew Howard. Putting his head around a very different prospect. And he looked up the inside at Lecombe and almost made it stick. A cracking move there. Again up the inside here. That's not going to work. Trying to just harass the AMG man into a mistake and almost worked there. Fun to watch this because the Aston is clearly a little bit stronger in certain areas. The Mercedes is carrying good straight line speed though. And Dexter Muller needs to be a bit cautious about track limits too because he had all four wheels off the track leaving turn nine there, the tricky left-hander, whereas Andrew Howard only the two wheels dropping onto the red and yellow kerbing, so that's uh, much better from a steward's point of view. This bird just dropping back a little from Christopher Ulrich because of this fight. Being caught, by the way, from the, by the recovering Nigel Otto. Some way back yet, but uh, another two or three laps, and that will become a factor with another B3 car closing full position. This is how the got alongside didn't quite get there, and that was quite tight. Good move from Andrew Howard. Yeah, because well, he wasn't risking everything there. He was just more more asking the question of Dexter Muller. If I put my car here, how are you going to react? And again, this is almost as a direct result. Two abreast into Blanchiment would have been brave. However, Andrew Howard is getting closer and closer. And actually, if he'd held back a little bit into Blanchiment, he might have been in a better position into the bus stop chicane. As it is, about three or four car lengths away from Dexter Muller. But clearly, out of curve Paul Frere, that Aston Martin is very strong through the high-speed sort of right and left-handers that lead to Blanchimont Corner. Of Ross Gunn still to come in this car. Man responsible for much of the testing of the GT3 car. In fact, the GTE car. It's now the offering from Aston Martin Racing. Prada, good run from Mark into the top in the top ten with Rob Hodes ahead, so that's the Green Market Racing car on the tail of the United Autosports number 23. So a couple of new additions to the championship this year. And these are the kind of guys that you want them to come through this, enjoy it, come back for more, learn more, find themselves getting quicker and quicker. So a couple of cracking teams to race with, Green Market's under the awning of Nielsen Racing. Of course, United, which Dean and Zach Brown's outfit based up in Yorkshire, just moved from the infamous industrial park, Science Park at uh, Garforth in West Yorkshire, moving to a, a much, much bigger place in Wakefield. It's all the glamorous spots. Isn't it just ticking them off? 
slowly and surely in every corner of Yorkshire. Um, the big selling point for this championship is the fact that you get to drive at Le Mans, of course, on two separate occasions. More damage for the 74, and I don't think that's Same damage. Corner. I don't think that's damage that was being carried from the start of the race. Maybe it is. It's just got progressively worse across the stint. But the 74 was certainly one to be involved in that turn one collision, which accounted for four LMP3s and the GT cars. It's coming to the right rear wheel arch. But the bullet's gone as well, or at least it's not correctly sitting. Something's sitting very low under the car as well. Um, Something's gone bang in a big way. But you have to think that's tyre, rear right tyre, I think, that's let loose. But not getting... Yes. Yeah, possibly. Oh, car, we're under safety car, leader slow down. Leader slow down, we have a lot of debris P45. Leader slow down, please, we are under safety car. I think what it might be is actually the bullet that's just completely disintegrated because of the tyre rub I wonder if corner. it was the bullet caught between the bodywork and the tyre. Yes, could be that as that well. In some way, it's found its way forward. Now, if the Michelin tyres stood up to that, uh, that amount of um, damage and wear, then every credit to uh, how that tyre is constructed. But what it's left is several little niggly shards of carbon fibre right across the road at the end of the Kemmel Strait. And unsurprisingly, Eduardo Freitas, the race director, as he always is, going instant safety car because of the potential danger that all of these shards create. Before the safety car, though, the move had been made. Andrew Howard is ahead of the AMG and is up into third position in the Beach Dean car. And, uh, OK, if you're not familiar with this sort of racing or uh, uh, the, the reasons behind why that safety car might well have been called, carbon fibre, uh, small shards of carbon fibre can make a heck of a mess of a tyre. And this is not a place where you want to have that risk. Yeah. High risk uh, circuit, Spa Francorchamps. And uh, safety cars taking them into the debris zone slowly so they can pick a line through there with as limited amount of sharp bits of carbon fibre as possible. And that, that safety car call came immediately. Here we see it again. Look at the blue car in the background. Bang. I'm not sure that's tyre, you know. No, I don't think it is either. I think it's all carbon. Yeah, quite possibly. And I think it's just got to a point where it's stressed so much that the box that normally sits behind the rear wheel, the cheese wedge as we call it sometimes, has just gone bang. And I think the tyre on the 74, the rear right, was actually still inflated. Never got a good enough glimpse of that right side of the car after the incident. Uh, It's now being limped back to the pit lane by Maurice Smith, who uh, was driving the Ligier at the time. And quite possibly that was damage picked up at the first corner in the initial incident that uh, involved five cars. And it's only now, what are we, nearly 50 minutes later, uh, that it's come to pass. Cars coming to pit lane. Uh, one of those will be, I'm sure, the 74. It is. And the others is one of the United Autosports cars, which does seem a bit of odd timing here. There's this damage there. Let's hope it's not just played follow and leader, because it's early yeah. for the pit stop window well the other thing is of course if you make your pit stop now but don't change your driver are you technically losing less time than you would do if you were doing it under full race conditions fuel it now uh yeah yeah you could do i mean it, it, the drive time is the worry for or the concern for the for each individual pilot you've got to do 55 minutes but you could 
do that in a super quick stop once we get back to racing speed and do the longer pit stop, a minute and 55 seconds under safety car. So attention to the rear of the 74, that's not looking good, to be honest with you. I suspect that might be order combat. So Rob Hodes bringing the 23 in. I didn't see a great deal of work being done on that 23 car, though, in the background. As Cool Racing descended upon the number 74 car, We're hearing from Charlie George in the pit lane that they did put fuel into the 23 car. So are they rolling the dice here? Because otherwise they're just looking at a, a finishing position outside of the top 10. Why not roll the dice and uh, see where they end up? There's still bits of debris that need to be retrieved and the marshals are not done yet. They'll be getting their brooms down there as well. This is another reason, well, the main reason why we're behind safety car, because it, it groups the field up, unlike how a, a full-course yellow uh, would would uh, temper the field, because you've still got cars potentially coming through every few seconds, and it's an unsafe environment for the marshals to be there. So a portion of the top bodywork has gone bang, so that accounts for some of the carbon fibre. I think it's run over a piece of its own bodywork. I think it's been stuck inside that wheel arch. I suspect that tyre's got damage. It may well be they've already changed that tyre. Yeah. And that you're quite right that what's then happened is it's punched it up through the bodywork. Yeah, so OK. It's, it's the bodywork from the... I don't know quite how it's happened, but uh, I think something was trapped in that wheel arch. And all of a sudden, projectile style, it's just shot through the uppermost bodywork above that rear right wheel. By the way, this is now... Uh, a wave by for Roberto Pampanini in his gold and black Mercedes. That's not an illegal manoeuvre. Of course, most of the time, racing cars not labelled, not allowed to overtake the safety car. But if you're out of position, uh, as that car was in the track traffic sense between the safety car and the race leader, Manatiotto is going to be allowed to go through as well. But the safety car has now picked up Francois Kerman, who is the race leader. And the large gap that he'd spent the best part of 45 minutes building is now going to be less than a second when we get underway, Kerman to Eric Truyer. By the time we do get back underway, we're going to be very, very close to that pit stop window. Yep. And that, with the majority of these cars having their pro drivers to join them, is going to make for some entertainment in the last, uh, second half of this race. United have done exactly what I thought. So they kept Rod Hodes at the wheel because he's not done his 55 minutes yet, but they've done the minimum pit stop, a minute yep. and 57. So that means when they do do the driver change, a little later on in the race, it can be as quick as you like. Driver change and a tiny bit of fuel. Yeah, potentially, and send it, because it won't need tyres. shouldn't need tyres, because Rob Hodes won't have done much mileage, particularly if he stayed behind the safety car. And he's on the lead line. That could be a genius stroke. We've seen it done before. It properly foxed us at the time, yep. but I'm pleased now that we, we are aware that this can be done. And as long as Rob does the minimum time, which is 55 minutes, so pit in the next three, and the rate that we're doing laps at the moment, he That's just comes in, comes in next time around. He will, it? and uh, he'll be able to actually cover that off even quicker in real terms. Yeah. He stays on the lead lap. He loses not a lot in terms of track position. And well. to take that car over, a certain Garrett Grist. So... He's not going to be hanging around. Matt Bell sharing the 22 car with Jim Maguire. And Matt's going to have more work to do in his Ligier because Jim's currently down in 23rd position. 74 car, I fear, is gone. And that, I think, was Maurice Smith, wasn't it? Uh, who brought it in, yes. And it was Maurice Smith who was involved in that uh, incident at La Source when the red lights went out. And then later on... 
we think now possibly as a result of that in, in, uh, early collision in the race uh, significant damage to the rear right corner and shards of bodywork all over the road at the end of the Kendall Strait and Morris Smith concurs with our thoughts as well very odd incident at that point though some many minutes on so behind the safety car so Francois Kieran it is from Eric Trulier who's now within half a second on the road of course right there behind him in the safety car queue Alexander Talganitsa Jr now the only point to make mention there is Jr is the quicker of the two Talganitsas Adrian Chiller, Tony Wells Victor Donka, Jack Wolf, John Schaumann Mark Crader that's your top nine So, whilst the safety car is out on track, I feel like there's quite a number of highlights that we need to catch up on, and they will start, no doubt. Well, with a busy grid, because it was uh, well-subscribed, but this was the action uh, that started instantly. As soon as the five red lights went out, look at the Ferrari, the red one to the left of shot. It's going to get wedged between Jim Maguire, who fires a manoeuvre up the inside, uh, glances the Ferrari to his left, also slams into the back of the 74 LMP3 car. That's the one that's now into retirement because of the damage done to the rear right, which only bit sort of 45 minutes later... And there were other cars involved as well, including the number 96 machine. And Jim Maguire's uh, car was heavily damaged. That had to come into the pits for further work. Strange incident for a fast-starting Andrea Pacini. He was going well at this stage, but then, out of nowhere, the power steering broke. It meant that he couldn't turn into the right-hander at the bus stop chicane. There was also, of course, the early drama for the 71 Ferrari. Mikey Benham bit of a race for him to forget so far with several moments thankfully limited contact there was a touch to the back of Marcello Maratiotto here at La Source which forced Maratiotto to address his steering and briefly uh, Mikey Benning was facing the white concrete at La Source corner change of position within the Graf team with the number nine car of Eric Truyer getting ahead of 39 Andrian Schiller. There was contact here as Eric Dodonka went for a manoeuvre on Marcello Maratiotto and the DKR engineering car then in further strife all related to the La Source incident 45 minutes prior and the uh, legality panel exploding effectively at the end of the Kemmel Strait littering the track into Le Camp with debris and that's the reason why we're under a safety car period now but crucially we have reached the 55 minute drive time point we're now at nearly 56 minutes I reckon we're going to see the pit lane absolutely flooded with cars this time around absolutely right I think the biggest two winners here are the second place car the number nine graph car that's a big gap close to nothing another big winner is the man who's spun more times than the Bitha DJ at uh, uh, this race and that is the run racing car of Mikey Benham because he will come in albeit from 11th position if we stay on the safety car and we are going to stay on the safety car of course to this point it's just 13 seconds off the lead but the lights are out on the Porsche that leads the cars through Blanchemont it's no longer in shot because Francois Kerman is now dictating the pace he's done his 55 minutes as well Will he be the first into the pit lane? Yes. And how many more are going to follow him in? Well, Eric Truier, happy to stay out. His pace has been good enough, but virtually everybody else now darting to the right. It's almost like the end of the session, but we're still 
in the thick of the race. And I think if those are spectating down at uh, Eau Rouge and Radion, going to see one car through at this rate. <laughs> Eric de Donker did stay out. Jacques Wolf, no, he didn't, I beg your pardon. 98 came in. CD Sports, number 30 car came in for its uh, first stop of the race. And many, many more. So it'll be Eric Truyer leading by a country mile here. However, everybody else behind making their mandatory stop, they're going to be in the pits for a minute and 55 seconds. And it does mean for John Schauman, who's fairly late to the pit road, that actually parking his car is particularly tricky. John coming in from eighth place on the road for cool racing. And Sergio Pianazzola deciding to stop at this point as well. Ross Gunn's already been in. Yannick Mettler on an outlap. Now, they were positioned behind the safety car so that they could actually come in on the previous lap because their drive time was already completed. So Yannick Mettler taking over from Dexter Muller and Ross Gunn still ahead of him on the road, taking that Aston Martin ahead uh, away from um, Andrew Howard. But it's effectively battle rejoined between Beach Dean and SPS. So the only cars that stayed out were the Graf car that had been sitting second place. Number nine car takes the lead for the moment. The 96 school racing car in the hands of Anders Chiodomo. That now runs second but owes us that pit stop. And also staying out was the much-delayed Maritiotto in the number five DKR car, but actually pits right now as I speak. So just two cars that will pit next time around. It is all quiet, generally speaking, unless uh, you're watching at Speaker's Corner because the Aston Martin of Ross Gunn is making waves now, running in third position and waving goodbye to the red and black Mercedes that has troubled that car throughout the opening stint for Andrew Howard. But Ross Gunn uh, clearly getting the pedal down and wasting no time at all I noticed it's a 2 minutes 3 second lap for that car so they are they were well over but making sure that everything was in order as rejoining the former race leader Francois Kerman but this is effectively the net race lead now not Kerman but teammate although Kerman's still labelled at the wheel but it should in fact be Laurence Hur to take this car over and rejoining right behind Eric Truyer to hand to Adrian Truyer and Adrian Schiller in the 39 car will hand over to French multi uh, uh, French hill climb champion Nicolas Schatz yeah, Eric Truyer pits the next possible opportunity in what we would think would be a less busy pit lane that might be part of what they were looking to do see if Truyer could take advantage of a clear track ahead of him with one quick lap and then a less busy pit lane we'll see with that pit air uh, pace off 90, uh, 96 car yet still yet to pit Ross Gunn pulling out a goodly advantage on the car he pitted alongside almost on his outlap 99 car looking pretty well placed here it certainly is and helped of course by the safety car which Constantine and everything up and it turned the Aston well and truly in with a shout here of a podium finish up to second yeah. um, so ahead of the Spirit Race car which uh, took some delay in the pits well, Giacomo Puccini the car to beat now in the number 8 of course what we've got to take into account is the pit stop penalties that actually come into account for, for some of these cars it's not something that will have hit the beach team car to any meaningful degree yeah would have hit the championship contenders. The well, key to this, though, Johnny, is where is the Lusich racing car going to emerge? As Michael Mack was chatting to Charlie George, mentioning the extra 29 seconds that, that car had to serve in the pit stop because it is a championship leader. And the eight car also with an extra 
chunk of time that needed to soak up. Well, Mikkel Mack has emerged in seventh position in class and uh, neatly exactly 30 seconds behind the sixth place car. That's now the EB Motors Porsche. Over the line to complete the first lap then from the pits. Laurence Hoor in the number three, turning right at La Source to begin the descent towards Eau Rouge. And behind, Nicolas Schatz, uh, just talking a small amount, just point... Let's have a look. Uh, 2.6 seconds is the margin as no, no, back which, to the front of the field goes Laurence Hoor. Which of the graph cars is ahead on the track there, though, because the, uh, the car that was leading the race for that lap has come out in the middle of that right Adrian Truyer you mean yes because Nicolas Schatz had already rejoined the race and Eric Truyer pitted a lap later meanwhile Duncan Tappy is now all over the back of Garrett Grist in the 23 car so this is a fight for position fifth and sixth places yep. for the young Canadian versus the Brit two abreast they're going to go it's also a Ligier versus Norma fight, and Garrett Grist just cannot hold Duncan Tappy back. It's straight line speed for Norma there, I'm afraid. The uh, Ligier's strength is in that second uh, sector, and that was Colin Noble going past the number nine car. That's the Colin Noble car going up into third position, so it's all change here. It's, it is the three from the 39. Here from Schatz, from Noble, from Trier, from Tappy, from Grist now. And Alex Mortimer aboard the grain market car, 20 car in seventh position. And that safety car regarding Michael, Mikey Bennett could be a huge Christmas present come early here because it meant that the 25 is back in the reckoning, potentially for a top five finish. There are one or two LMP3s up ahead. Well, actually, Tappy's already fifth. He's chasing down Colin Noble. Adrian Truier on an outlap is in third position. And there's just 4.7 seconds between the top three. Noble ahead of Trier now. So perhaps the fact that that number nine car is on an outlap means that tyres are still coming into the operating window and the Scott wasting no time at all for Nielsen Racing. Noble now to third. And trying to chase down Nicolas Schatz and Laurence Hur in the remaining 56 and a bit minutes we have left. This could be a cracker. Uh, it's 50, just, uh, just around 56 minutes less to as Johnny Palmer says, and trouble, it looks like, for the number eight car. There's something, bodywork rubbing on the rear left tyre. Michael Mack being told that he must respect the track limits. It's definitely smoking. Yeah, I agree it is. with you. Now, is that fluid trailing from the car, or is it something rubbing? But uh, the Ferrari not quite sitting correctly. It's all right there, and as the weight shifts to the right side of the car, into Blanchemont, I'm sure that smoke, or whatever it is, will... Dis disappear, but it's something to keep our eye on, nevertheless. That car continues to lead its class. Remember, that is a critical car for the championship. That's the car in contention for the lead with the delayed Lucid Racing car. That this is the opportunity they perhaps have been looking for. Mm. Precious few of them. Eight seconds is the margin between Giacomo Puccini and Ross Gunn. Number nine. It's not part of the script. Now, I just wonder whether something wasn't quite right with that car because Colin Noble was able to get by Adrian Trier very rapidly indeed. I expected Trier to hold a, a bit more of a defence than that, so maybe an ill-fitting wheel or a slow puncture. But yes, number nine back in again, and that was just a, a routine, well, not a routine stop, an unexpected stop for car number nine. Well, meantime, by the way, as we watch the lead, this is the lead pair. Ross Gunn is hairing towards the race leader in GT. 
Giacomo Puccini is just 7.6 seconds ahead. Lost three seconds last time around. I think he's going for him. By the way, the uh, slight gamble that United Autosports made in the 23 has paid off to an extent because Garrett Grist is up to fifth position. They did their fuel and uh, longer stop outside of the driver window, kept Rod Hodes at the wheel, then he came in later on, they did another pit stop, 1 minute and 12, but that driver change, once you've done your 1 minute 55, can be as quick as you want to, splashing it with fuel, as Graham mentioned, and sending it back out. Fifth place is their reward, they were actually fourth before being overtaken by Duncan Tappy. What they've gained, effectively, is a drive through penalty, meanwhile, for the 54 car from keeping the yellow flag, they've gained, effectively, somewhere around 30 seconds on the field. Yeah because of doing the, 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 the longer stop under a safety car yeah. and everyone else is trundling round at 60 kph or so. You know, that 54 drive-through got to be related to the message earlier on on the screen saying that the uh, team manager had to go to race control. Discussions were had and after improving under the yellow flag at 25 past four, so possibly one of the first yellow flags we had in the race, that car is now going to have to come down pit lane to serve a drive-through. Trip down pit lane takes about 23 seconds. That doesn't uh, take into account the time that it's not a full 23 seconds lost because you are still moving, but just at a much reduced speed. Down into campus corner then goes the Mercedes in question. That car is currently third in class, but he's surely going to drop. He will definitely one drop position, at least one. I suspect maybe a couple. Yeah, will be tight. Mara Calamia now at the wheel of the number seven. Scuderia Villorba Corsa car. Fastest lap of the race, meanwhile, goes to the second place car, Nico Schatz in a 2.15.305. Only pulls two tenths closer this time to the leader, with a gap under two and a half seconds. Through Blanchemont comes the car, formerly driven by Christoph Ulrich. It's now been handed over to Maurizio Mediani, and that car is fourth in GT3. Behind it is actually. Cenchetti, who has taken over the number five DKR engineering machine. That's Marco Cenchetti. So Marcello Maratiotto to Marco Cenchetti within DKR. And after that, we've got four GT3s all in the line, although there are seconds between them. Romara Calamir for Scuderia Villorba Corsa. Ebi Motors, the number 88 car, has been taken over by Daniel uh, Mancinelli, who is a new name to the Michelin Le Mans Cup this weekend. Welcome, Daniel. Mikkel Mack in a recovering lucid racing Ferrari, so seventh, and then Ollie Hancock in the eighth place to Kessel Racing Ferrari, number 50. The rhythm of this race, the, the lead pair are pulling away just a little as it's another fastest lap. This time it goes to Laurent's Hur. It's into the first one into the 2.14s, 2.14.861. They are going to have to, uh, to sort Johnny Palmer, that driver indicator. Yeah, because often if that stays like that for too long, then penalties can be it can. incurred, as it were. And the, re the reason behind that, by the way, is the implication is there's a potential time advantage by not doing that in the pit stop. Yeah. If you've forgotten to do it, you've not done it. Potential, but uh, that could have been a problem. We've got around by not performing the task we've got to Yeah, but also, I, I mean, I noticed that the, the more recently uh, um, abuse of track limits is labelled to a driver because it came up a minute ago for the 71, uh, driver Mikkel Mack. Correct. 
uh, driving limits uh, being exceeded. So, of course, if you've not got your driver ID correct, and it is now been moved to, to, to Laurence Ferrer, so that's been righted. Uh, but, of course, you, you know, you could be trying to go under the radar a little bit by putting the wrong driver in. I was fearful that actually it was Laurence Hur for the first stint, and now Francois Kerman was the correct driver, but Laurence Hur's pace tells me that it is indeed the uh, German driver taking over then from the Frenchman, and he's down into the high 2 minute 14s now. But not quite as far down as Duncan Tappy. He no. now claims the fastest lap of the race, 2.14.636, and is continuing chase on Colin Noble who sits in the final podium position right now so it is Laurence Hur in the DKR engineering number three that leads the race he's just under three seconds clear of Nicholas Schatz in the 39 graphic car then the Nielsen racing car of Colin Noble the number two then Duncan Tappy in the London racing car that number 25 Garrett Grist the lead Lichet fifth position but dropping back from that battle the other interesting message at the bottom of our screen currently is that the car, the pit stop for the race leader is under investigation. Now, is that related to the switch for the driver ID? It's a minute and 58, which, according to my stats, is OK for a pit stop. It'll be 1 minute 55. Okay. And there are others that have done 1 minute 58, including Lannan Racing and the second-place graph car. But were there, were there more than the required number of mechanics across that white line? Uh, was there a loose wheel that maybe started to roll towards the fast lane? Or is it related to driver ID? As uh, the Kia Racing car is in more strife, still carrying the damage, of course, from earlier on in the race. Kia Racing's machine now being driven by Johan Jokinen, but it has come to a halt. Is that speaker's corner? Turn nine. I think it may well be the camera point looking down from a great height because it's level with the track coming out of Le Combe, of course. And there's an indication of quite how much uh, height is, is um, lost through that sequence of corners, Bruxelles, and down into turn nine. That's not a nice place to be sitting, actually, because if somebody else was to lose it at turn nine, it's directly in the firing line. Yellow flags at the moment. Nothing more severe. And it means no overtaking into Speaker's Corner until that car's retrieved. I'm pretty sure there's not a gap in the barrier there for it, though. Yeah, and it's on the wrong side of the track, it isn't is. it? Because there are probably recovery crews on the inside of Turn 9. Uh, no, I think the recovery crews are actually the previous corner. At Bruxelles, yeah. But uh, I don't recall there being a gap in the barrier there. So it's going to be tricky, and I'm sure the cogs are going round for Eduardo Freitas now as to how to deal with that. He'll be in touch with uh, the men and women on the ground as well at the scene because they're possibly the best to offer an opinion as to how to deal with this situation uh, very late manoeuvre there for the number 5 car which is now being driven by Marco Cencetti by the way and that was the 5 overtaking the 96 cool racing machine for 13th position 96 now in the hands of Romain Carton and they both turn right at La Source to power their way back down the hill towards Eau Rouge. We're going to go full course yellow to retrieve Johan Jokinen in the Kia racing car. And that happens now, right on the minute of 48 still to go. So everybody down to 80 kilometres per hour. This is unlike a safety car. It's not going to uh, change the gaps between the cars. So effectively, when we get racing again, there's still going to be about a 3.3 second gap for Laurence Hur to Nicolas Schatz in second. So full course yellow as is. Race control will be looking to see if anybody took any advantage there. This is the, the change of position. Before full course yellow was called. Bit of a slide there. Yeah. Flippy through the bus stop. We've seen a few 
uh, drivers caught out there. Yeah, Marco Cencetti doing well to, to hang on to that. Of course, he was attacking the bus stop uh, chicane at a very different angle from your ideal racing line. Shallow entry means, of course, he's running wide on the exit, but that actually helped him to, maintain, to make sure that uh, Roman Carton could not reply. And that's for 13th position, as I say. There is your gap between first and second place cars. Laurence Hurt and Nicolas Schatz about three seconds at racing speed. Car being towed backwards towards a gap in the barrier. Colin Noble last time through, where the tail end of his lap would have been affected by the uh, full course yellow. So, still third, and still, I think, just about to keep the measure on Duncan Tappy behind. There must be about 20 seconds or so between the two Brits, there or thereabouts, at racing speed. Garrett Grist clinging on to a fifth-place finish at this stage, but right behind him, I notice... Uh, Alex Mortimer, who's yeah. taken charge of the grain market racing car from Mark Crader, so that'll be one to look out for when we go back to green. Alex's pace has been pretty good. It's not been quite as good as the four cars that lead the race, but good enough to be catching Garrett Grist at this stage. So, hopefully, this will be a relatively quick four-course yellow. You mentioned there's nowhere really to put that 43 car and leave it safely, so it may have to be towed across the track. I think I think they're going to go to. I think there's a gap in the barrier about halfway between the two corners. Down towards Puan. Down towards um, Speaker's Puan. Corner. Okay. So yeah, maybe there's just some over. I mean, well, that's all you need—a bit of overlap in the Arco yep. or the tyre wall, so that it can be parked up for the remainder of the race. Then recover it on a flatbed once we're done. This race due to finish at well. The chequered flag could come out as early as five to six local time, but it'll wait for the race leader. And if the race leader squeezes out an extra lap, even if there are just seconds remaining on the clock, then we do a further lap, which could take us closer to 6 p.m. 45 minutes to go before that point, though. And still, this is delicately poised, particularly because of that message on the screen about the number three car's pit stop. Something's happened to... Uh, alerts the, the, the marshals in the pit lane. You don't normally get that message no. unless something's being investigated. So there is concern about maybe something not being done to the letter of the law during the stop. And then, of course, we had the period of time where Laurence Hur's uh, name was Francois Kerman because the driver ID hadn't been switched. We're going back green flag racing in about 15 seconds' time. Paolo Venerossi's number 88 Porsche, if indeed it is still Paolo at the wheel. It's not, it's Daniel Mancinelli now taking that car over for Ebi Motors. About to press the noisy button in about three seconds. And away we're going to go, watching Alex Mortimer there. Is he going to try and jump immediately? Chris doesn't quite make it. Chris could see that uh, move. I'm not a mile off, but he wishes it was a mile about a kilometre off probably the start of the Camel Strait I reckon Alex Mortimer was having a little look up the inside needs to be needed to be very careful not to uh, generate any sort of overlap because even if the, the very front of your splitter is level with the bullet on the car in front that is judged as overtaking uh, but as long as you're not alongside somebody else at the point where you go back to green he should be absolutely fine and actually Garrett Grist has turned those tyres on much more readily than Alex Mortimer just edging away into the distance. Mortimer will get into his stride in a moment or two. Behind them is Mancinelli. Uh, and 
he is sixth in the GT3 ranks. But it's 1.3 seconds now between Giacomo Puccini and Ross Gunn. So the GT3 lead very much in the offing here between Kessel Racing Ferrari and the Aston Martin from Beach D. And that was under full course yellow. We've not yet seen them go past a timing beam at full green flag speeds. So let's wait and see just exactly where Ross Gunn is. And they're in trouble for the five again. It was that. It was a spin all by himself through the comb. Half spin and neatly recovered. Yeah. 5.8 from the Luxembourg judge. <laughs> well, not a great deal of time lost, thankfully, as now the cars that are jostling for position in GT3 go through the second split, which is down at the curve Paul Frere. And in reality, it is 1.2 seconds between indeed. Piccini and Ross Gunn. And that's full racing speed now. So the mid-engined Ferrari, the 488, and that's uh, GT3, of course, specs, but uh, with, the, with the ABS and the traction control. Aston Martin, great to see the brand-new Vantage, which has been pushed hard now by Ross Gunn. And this is that battle. In fact, they're coming up to potentially lap. Look on that. Yes, and that's the car wanting desperately to get more championship points. There's going to be another drive-through penalty for car 54 for speeding in the pit lane. We have already had a drive-through for that car, yes, because its last stop was 23 seconds for Yannick Mettler. So was Yannick caught speeding during the drive-through? He's going to lose one position to that. It's not going to affect the cars fighting for the championship. As some other dramas interfere. So that's just going to further compound the problems for Car 54 that have been going strongly in the opening stint. Remember Dexter Muller's uh, battle with Christoph Ulrich in the early stages between the two bronze-graded drivers. Alex Mortimer going through Pouan now with Garrett Grist just ahead. They are dicing for fifth and sixth positions and heading directly for Fanyan Corner now. Another pit stop under investigation. That's Garrett Grist. For Garrett's car, yes when it was handed from Rob Hodes to Garrett Grist. Well, remember, it could be either one of those pit stops that's under investigation. It could. And it may well be they are just seeking to clarify whether the rules were applied properly. I think they were. Yeah. Uh, well, in terms of the times that were taken. The, 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 the time was definitely fine for the first pit stop because that was their mandatory stop. They didn't change drive, but there's nothing in the regulations that tells you that, they, that you must. And then the driver change was done later on. But there's things like, I mean, the problem is then when, if the team aren't well rehearsed in doing a quick driver change, there's issues with belts and things, isn't there? You know, yep. if, if a driver's spotted releasing the belts a little bit too soon because they're fearful they won't get the stop done quick enough, and then those things will have been checked as well, together with, uh, well, some evidence offered probably by observers in the pit lane and also a bit of CCTV coverage they may have down the pit lane you've always got to be careful that the new wheels going on the car don't escape and start rolling in all sorts of directions there's rules about numbers of personnel across the white line as well there's another message appears about Maurizio Mediani's driving style now being told to respect the track limits at turn 4 which is the exit of Radion towards the Kemmel Strait a leading pair, separated by just over two seconds, clear of Colin Noble. Uh, Duncan Tappy, ten seconds behind him. Static gap, 
We think Tappy just closing in just a little bit. Hurst has dropped off the back of that. Now as uh, Alex Mortimer, right behind him, GT from left of the position of this battle. Title contender Giacomo Puccini and the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari, blue car with the white stripes, snapping, snarling Aston Martin behind of Ross Gunn, less than a second. Ahead of him, by the way, Alexander Tarkinitsa is for position. Yes, 10th overall, and they are the GTs are then 11th and 12th overall, with behinds. Quicker, which could, could play a part here. Adrian Trouillet could yeah also have an impact because he's wanting to get by these cars after the extra pit stop that Graf didn't expect to have to serve or whatever the problem was there whether it was a cross-threaded wheel nut or it might have been a vibration slow puncture perhaps but the nine car having been very neatly placed during the opening stint they got their pit stop done a lap later than everybody else after cracking driving from from Eric Trouillet to hand over to son Adrian but now, unfortunately, that nine car down in 13th position. So 38 minutes left on the clock. And plenty of battle is still to play, uh, play out here. Still that battle between Garrett Brist and Alex Morton that is sorted. The lead two, meanwhile, fully up to speed. And we're beginning to see fast, fast sector times coming through. Fastest sector one time of the race so far goes to Lance Hur. Just a couple of three hundredths slower is Nico Schatz chasing. They found some clear air, haven't they? Because now Hur, Schatz, Noble, and Tappy, one, two, three, and four, are going faster than they've managed all race long. And an absolute best first sector for the race leader, Laurence Hur. Meanwhile, side by side down towards O'Rouge. That's never going to work. And thankfully, the number four car was given the place, Nico Ronde. Racing with was that Rugolo then in the number 55? That was full position. Yes. So Ronde versus Rugolo going the way of the uh, of the driver of the number four car, Frenchman Nicolas Ronde, who shares with the American driver John Schaumann. And as Graham says, for uh, eighth place. Meanwhile, Ferrari's nose to tail. But these are the title contenders. But this is for a great car, the title chasing car to lap the, type, the uh, championship leading car, Michael Mack. And through two goes Ross Gunn. These are the, the two contending the lead. So neatly done there by Michael Mack. Let them go. Yeah. This is going to be a run for Michael Mack to try and get as many points as he possibly can out of what's been a fundamentally bad day for Lizic Racing. But yes, it, it uh, takes... A strong man to uh, to do that gentlemanly to allow the cars that are on the lead lap through safely and you know, there must be something in the back of his mind saying I could just sideswipe him here and make sure he doesn't finish <laughs> uh, but uh, you're going to bear the repercussions later on in the race they came into this race having set pole position loses racing with an 8 point cushion and we have 51 points left on the table at the moment 25 of them are going to the Eight car. I have zero doubt that Lizic Racing would like that 25 points to be not going to that car, but rather to the chasing 99 car. Indeed so. And Ross Gunn is going to do his level best to make sure that happens, but it's a rare day that Giacomo Puccini makes a mistake, so this could just be a boring run to the finish now for Ross Gunn, sitting there waiting for his opportunity. 
But I think it's going to have to be an error from Giacomo Piccini. We've had power steering go on a Ferrari already in this race, so there is the chance of a, something like that happening, not in the control of the driver. And Gunn does close up under braking. That Aston's very, very strong on the brakes, quite clearly. Gets the gap down to just half a car length, but the Ferrari opens up the margin once again as it accelerates out of uh, the bus stop chicane and gradually of course these cars are getting lighter and lighter as they burn off the fuel so lap times could well come down as well it may even be down to tyre wear of course if you nurse the tyres in the early portion of the stint you're going to have more rubber to lean on as we get towards the flag there is going to be good news for Michael Mack and the Lusic Racing Team because one of the cars ahead of them the number 7 Scuderia Vlorba Corsa car moment the hands of Calamia running uh, in fifth position is going to be getting a three minute stop and go penalty for overtaking the safety car uh, in addition to which Cianchetti in the number five DKR car is going to get the same penalty so those cars pass the safety car presumably without instruction to do so and will be getting three minute penalties and a big winner there is going to be lose its racing efforts and it's going to put that car up into as the 54 car takes, I presume, its drive-through, that will not drop it into the hands of the Lusic Racing car. It may not now lose it a place because the car that it would have lost a place to is going to get a far more weighty penalty. So actually, I described at the time that that was perfectly fine. I'm pleased that they're not going to come to me for evidence. <laughs> or, or maybe they will now that they've heard that but I mean, sometimes you're in a situation where the safety car is thrown out onto track so quickly as it was in that instance because it was debris at the end of the camel straight you throw it out it doesn't matter whether it picks up the lead or not you sort that out afterwards there's then something called a wave by which is the traffic that's caught between the race leader and the safety car is released but clearly the five and the seven cars weren't in that pocket of traffic and just took it upon themselves to dive past the safety car and it may well be that Pampanini made the first move, car number seven, and uh, Maratiotto followed suit. But I remember the incident because it was the gold Mercedes and the all-green DKR engineering Indeed. LMP3. They both, they both did it in the clear light of day, um, and clearly that's been checked, and they did not have permission. A couple of close battles in the way in LMP3. Michael Ronde did pass the... Race car is not managed to pull away. Meanwhile, Garrett Grist finally has to cede position to Alex Mortimer to dive up the inside into the car, but that had to happen for Mortimer because closing, closing, closing is Dino Lenardi. His battling pair not far behind them, maybe a couple of corners back. So battles all the way down from fifth down to ninth in two different groups. Follow no ball for that final podium position. Still got more than half an hour to go. So at the moment, Lusik Racing looking at scoring three points. No, more than that, six points for a seventh place finish. But it could potentially be the full 25 to Giacomo Puccini. It's a stop and go for the lead car. Here we go. Well, and the, the 23. Yeah, I... See, there were fears for me as soon as that message appeared about Garrett Grist's car and the race leader, Laurence Hur. It's because they spun the wheels 
in the pit lane. Now, that was presumably when the car was back on the ground. As it left, it either spun the wheels or, indeed, when it was up on the jacks, the wheels were seen to be rotating. Either is a no-no, and it's going to be a stop-and-go penalty. Not for any period of time, just literally stop the car and go again. But that's going to be very costly to number three. It's and certainly going to lose it in the lead. Yes. And I think it's going to lose it another position to Colin Noble. It's going to be tight, but I think it's going to lose it. We know it's 23 seconds to run through Brick Lane. This is not a drive-through, it's a stop-and-go. Therefore, be a couple of seconds longer. But remember, you don't lose 23, 24, 25 seconds on the road because you're still moving forward, albeit at a slower rate. Yep. So it's a 24-second gap, first to fourth at the moment. That is the lead group, effectively. And I think uh, Lance Hurt is going to come out after Colin Noble. And up the inside, there's Rugolo, who takes that position from Nico Rondé. Let's see what the Italian can do for the spirit of race entry. R55 down towards Eau Rouge. And coming up the other side now. Nico Ronde not short of speed though. And he's going to try and stay on the tail of Michele Rugolo for as long as possible. The next car up the road for Rugolo to chase is actually Garrett Grist in the number 23 but not for much longer because Garrett's going to have to come in to serve a stop and go penalty so then you're looking at Dino Lunardi in the number 98 car which uh, that car didn't start its race brilliantly well after contact side to side contact with the number 5 DKR engineering Norma but Eric Dodonka recovered that moment at his home race and handed the car over to Dino Lunardi they are 6th currently yeah, Lunardi has already gone by Garrett Grist before the Stop and go. So that's going to be costly for Garrett Grist. Still, these two GT cars battling away. Still, Ross Gunn looking for a way by. It's uh, Beach Dean effort beginning to come on strong towards the end of the season as they learn the nuances with this brand new Turbo V8 engined Aston Martin. Nothing between the top two in the GT3s, but Ross Gunn giving it absolutely everything here and trying to force an error. And you would have thought his constant presence in the mirrors, just second-guessing uh, Giacomo Puccini with every turn of the wheel, but Puccini can deal with his pressure. 30 km behind this pair, by the way, is for position. It's a recovering Sydney sport car. So soon you're going to have to deal with not only each other, but uh, a snapping Norma. They've left, by the way, Mikkel Mack. Um, he's taken that uh, lapping and has dropped back. Meanwhile, Alex Mortimer now has his mirrors for Adila Lenardi, Lenardi, rather. This 98 car in sixth position, the lead of the Ligiers, and looking for a way by the number 20 car. It's a brave place to try and do it as you Very go through Eau Rouge and Radion, but they almost went to abreast as a result. If things stay as they are in the GT3 category, you're looking at an 11-point lead for Puccini and Canazzola, who currently lead the race. If it was to be a second-place finish, therefore Ross Gunn gets by, then it's only a four-point advantage that Puccini and Canazzola would wow. take to the final event. 
So incredibly tight indeed. Uh, we thought seven points was, was tight, but going to get even closer potentially. Well, the conversation about seven was the difference between first and second, wasn't it? So coming into the final race with a gap of anything more than seven points is fairly significant, yep. 25 to 18. In comes the number three car for that stop and go. Through to the lead will go Nico Schatz. Does so now. And probably on this lap, Garrett's already been in, hasn't he, Garrett Griss, for his stop and go. Yep, Took him 27 seconds, so it's going to be about the same where for is he, where, is the, where is the DKR going to, car going to come out? Well, Schatz is the new leader, no doubt about that, car number 39. What about Colin Noble? He's going to appear There's now Noble. at La Source. So Noble will go through into second position. Third place, perhaps, for Laurence Hur. Duncan Tappy in the background will stay fourth. So it's two places lost for the orange and black DKR engineering machine and now potentially a race win for Nicolas Schatz Colin Noble is 11 nearly 12 seconds down the road indeed this couldn't be better for Schatz could it because not only is he um, taking the lead but he's put his race leading rival into a three-way battle with two of the hardest players out there Colin Noble and Duncan Tappy and both of them will see the opportunities that arise here Colin Noble We'll see the opportunity for a very strong finish. Duncan Tappy will absolutely see an opportunity to get his car onto the podium. Dino Lonardi, meanwhile, has got by the grain market racing car. So the lead Ligier now up into fifth position, albeit 40 seconds back from Duncan Tappy. Of course, the other thing that Tappy will be focused on is the fact that if he can get ahead of the DKR engineering car, then that means he's outscored. That Lannan will have outscored the championship leaders. Now, OK, you're looking at a 17-point uh, margin. In fact, it ventured up to 18 points, didn't it, after qualifying earlier on. Uh, but they're trying to whittle that down with another 51 points on offer. A race win, surely, a bit too much to ask for Duncan Tappy. But if he can squeeze onto the podium and get ahead of Lawrence Hurd, and that's a few more points gained back again with a further 26 to fight for at Portimao at the end of next month. Just over 25 minutes to go, and this time Pacini seems to be a bit further in front of Ross Gunn. He does. So was that a slower lap for the British driver? A 2.22, maybe to do with a bit of traffic. It's a 30 car. 30 car got involved there. That's exactly what we said would happen. Yeah. It's the 30 car City Sport coming through, and unfortunately for Ross Gunn, he's going to catch the car ahead in a rather better position. Less time. And so, Giacomo Pacini maybe just having to feather the throttle slightly through the corner. The sequence of the right, left, and right. But CD Sport do manage to get back at the head. That's Kyle Balbassasson who has taken charge of the number 30 car then. And that will be 13th position. In fact, four, uh, 12th position now that he's got ahead of Giacomo Piccini. So those were moves for position with LMP3s getting in front of GT3s. And the battle, therefore, at the head of the order with the GT3 between the Ferrari and the Aston Martin can continue. Absolutely. Twitchy times for these two teams from Kessel Racing because this could be a big move for them in the championship for Beach Team AMR because race win potentially beckons Colin Noble quicker through the first sector than Nicolas Schatz but it's only a tenth of a second he's got 11.7 seconds to try and find on Schatz the race leader we need 
third position. Tappy just five seconds. Lapping at a very similar to post two minutes seventeens also. And Alex Mortimer two nineteens. So is he being caught in the fifty-five? With a little over 20 minutes still to go. Let's head down to Aston Martin and grab a Mate Ross Gunn. Yeah, down here at Beach Dean. Andrew, that was quite a stint from you, starting from dead last, and now you guys are right up there. Yeah, no, absolutely brilliant. We changed engines last night, so we had an issue this morning with the car, um, which quite rightly put us to the back of the grid. Um, but no, love it. Love Spa. Absolutely love Spa. But I mean, the car's just been absolutely brilliant today. It looks like that was a lot of fun for you. And how are you feeling now watching Ross fighting for that lead? So we'll see what happens. What was great was that it was really clean racing. And what's great is that everybody is, is respecting each other out there. Um, you know, through traffic, everything else. So, and it's the best thing you want to do is race. You know, you want to be racing cars. That's what we're here for. So, no, fantastic. And a podium would be a really great result for you. Back of the grid, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Good luck. Thank you very much. Helped, of course, by the safety car, but you need to be in a position to benefit from that. Yep. And, yeah, uh, up to second place. It could be one better yet. Colin Noble, meanwhile, is trying to make good his escape from the number three car. So uh, penalised out of the leaders, uh, of course. Sister car, by the way, the number five, having taken that three-minute stop-and-go, he's going to have to come down uh, pit lane again for a stop-and-go with engine stopped. Another penalty. I can only presume that's because something went wrong in that three-minute stop-and-go. Uh, stop yeah. And does the rule say that the engine must remain running throughout three minutes, or does it have to start of its own accord? Anyway, the car number five is back in the penalty box again and serving a stop and go the engine did stay live on that occasion and uh, Marco Cencetti will be able to rejoin but it's uh, stone last that car now the yep. only ones behind it on the timing screen are the ones that have retired from the race Lanter is pushing pushing hard to get well, he's on the terms with Colin Noble looking to do what he can to close the gap Duncan Tapping for the first time in the race not catching now, so two big battles underway, one for second position overall, 21 minutes to go, and the other for the lead in GT3. Out of the right-hander at Campus Corner, and now curve Paul Frere for the car that is in third position, but right with Colin Noble, 0.4 of a second, very good first sector on this particular lap for Laurence Hurt, the driver that... Uh, took a little while to get his name on the board despite having taken the car over four laps previously uh, but he's racing hard now and this is the point of course where we get to see exactly how good Laurence Hur is having had to come in to serve a drive-through penalty spinning the wheels in the pit stop Ross Gunn taking a leaf out of Andrew Howard's book there by just drifting off the racing line to show himself in the mirrors of Giacomo Pacini. Is he going to go for a proper overtake? Well, probably not, but it's sowing the seed of doubt in Pacini's mind. Lots up for grabs here in this battle for second position, not, not least the fact that these two young men, Colin Noble and Lawrence Hur, is very much amongst the, the names that are on the shopping lists for P3 and P2 teams in the coming season. 
what this is all about for a young professional. Show what you can do in these little prototypes and see whether or not that can attract the attention of the big boys in the P2 cars further up the pit lane. That's exactly what happened last year for Japonitet, of course. Got himself very much in the limelight. And, uh, well, he's taking meetings galore about where his talents might be in the future. And I'm sure these two would love to be in that position. We have a battle that is very close for second and third currently and about the same for first and second in GT3. And as Graham mentioned, a chance for many drivers to make their name. It's a good package to be on because you've got European Le Mans Series team members, uh, engineers, looking at these races for potential new talent, certainly. And it's also about how well you can work with your co-driver. You've got bronzes in with silvers and golds, working with one another to try and improve the pace of principally the bronze. But there's always a chance, of course, that the quicker driver could learn a thing or two as well. Two very valuable assets in sports car racing for aspirant professional drivers. One is results. No doubt about it is the results you produce. Uh, can you get those wins? Can you get those products? The second is data. It's showing the consistency, showing the speed, showing that against established rivals. And that's, for these guys, what the Michelin Le Mans Cup is about. Those two things. Get the results, get the data. Show how quick you are in... Uh, comparison to your peers. That's a move for position, I think, and it's the 18 racing car being taken by the CD Sport car yeah. for 11th position. So Taukenitz, uh Senior now on board the 80 racing car being overtaken by Kyle Bolbesasson and the CD Sport car is safely through. What a way off the track though now is Laurence Heur. He misjudged the braking point into the source. Might have actually been going for an overtake on Colin Noble and it's bitten, bitten him because he was that, red, that uh, eager to get by. Maybe ran out of brakes, had to run wide and uses the runoff to maintain speed. So what happened here? Well, it was before that. He's gone way, way out wide whereas Colin Noble takes the more conventional route deciding not to whip over the sausage curb and risk breaking the suspension mm. and now rejoins. I don't think that's going to be labelled as gaining an advantage by running off the track. If he starts to do it regularly, then the stewards will be frowning upon it. He certainly didn't take a disadvantage, did he? No, I agree with that. And actually, you probably because you're able to put your foot down that little bit earlier, potentially, you're using bits of the track that aren't the track to benefit didn't gain the place though. No, I think if you were, I think you're right, Johnny. If you were to do it again, my guess is he'll get a warning for it. Yeah, because at that point it doesn't become a mistake; it becomes tactical. 0.6 of a second remains the margin between those two. Noble ahead of Lawrence Hur. Duncan Tappy, frustratingly for him, can't get any closer than about five seconds because the consistency is just metronomic for all three of those. 2.16 something, 2.16 something, 2.16 uh, 8 for Duncan Tappy, but it's all about the same ballpark. This time Floor is closer again. Is there an opportunity towards the end of the lap into the bus stop maybe for the German? On Scottish driver Colin Noble just up ahead. So they run two ahead of three. But it's not the number one car that leads, it's the number 39 car that is out front. Nicolas Schatz and still by near enough an 11 second margin. GT3 still 1.2 seconds. Could have told you it was that 30 minutes ago. Giacomo Pacini not missing a beat so far. 
more aggressive the two here without shadow of doubt as long as her and I guess it's a question of where and when the move is going to come rather than if are these two beginning to drop themselves back into the lap of Duncan Tappy? The answer is no, he's catching, but just by hundredths. As you quite rightly said, I'm sure that's going to be massively frustrating for the 25 driver. Yeah. With Lawrence Hur's aggressiveness, there is a chance, of course, of a slight mistake here and there, as we've already seen at the, at the source. So this aggression may not necessarily pay off. Colin Noble, I noted... He's been carrying one of the onboard cameras this weekend. Very, very smooth driving style, particularly towards the end of the lap through Kurt Paul Freire and Blanchimont. And he's not going to be flustered by this, despite being early on in his racing career, the man from Edinburgh. If he can soak up the pressure, the odds are his tyres are going to be in better shape. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than squirming and sliding to get those extra tenths out of the corners, Lawrence Hur will be working his tyres far more readily in the car in front at the moment it's paying off in lap time there he was a full two tenths of a second quicker through the first sector was hurt next battle to beat fought is Alex Mortimer now fighting a defensive battle for, with Michele Rugolo for Rugolo sorry for sixth position spirit of race car catching the rain market Norma yeah and now certainly shaping up the number 20 car for a potential overtake Rugolo is close enough he's carrying a little bit more forward momentum as well but clamping his car to the right hand side of the track therefore in full defensive mode is Mortimer but it doesn't move. matter that to Michele Rugolo he's gone around the outside however he's run wide and I reckon Mortimer might be able to pick him back off again he, he can great Brilliant. stuff from Alex so Rugolo break just a little bit too late having gone right around the outside of the grain market car and Mortimer didn't lose his head, thought, well, you're never going to make the corner at that sort of speed and angle, and got the place back again. Tremendous to watch. Are we going to see a similar thing here from Laurence Hur, who's late on the brakes, but surely Noble's going to cut across his bows, which is exactly what he does, and Colin Noble stays in second position. We are talking tenths of seconds, though, here, and Laurence Hur showing his intent there. Just watching the way this is beginning to swing... All of a sudden, Duncan Tappy is starting not to take hundreds out, but tenths. There's still 13 minutes to go. There is time for this to become a three-car battle. At that point, the game for one of these three changes completely. And that's Lawrence Hur. Remember, was leading the race, Lawrence Hur's car, before being uh, caught for spinning the wheels in the pit stop and having to come down the pit lane to serve a drive-through penalty. Ruglow's going to have another stab at this now towards the end of this lap. Just 89 thousandths of a second separate them at the split two-thirds of the way around the lap. And what about Ruglow's run up the hill towards the bus stop chicane? Mortimer not going to defend, although he's going to try and cut back again to get the better exit. I think both of them are uh, really enjoying this, but McKaylee Rugolo should just about cement that place now. Took him two separate attempts, and assuming Alex Mortimer hasn't got anything for him on the brakes into La Source, that will be the place bag for the Italian driver, and that's sixth position. Black and white warning flag for Maurizio Mediani, third at the moment in GT3, 16th overall for abuse of track limits. It's way wide from Lawrence Hur. Way, way wide. We did say that that might lead to a slight mistake. What that's going to mean is he drops back a bit and he's also going to have very dusty tyres. Needs to be very careful indeed in the next couple of corners. That will not have helped anybody, but Colin Noble 
Oh, for that matter, for Duncan Tappy. Under five seconds back now from Bronsher. And just 12 minutes left on the clock before this, uh, this race comes to a close. The shadows are gently lengthening here at Spa. Fantastic sunset here in Belgium last night. I'm sure we're going to be treated to a similar one this evening as well after a cracking day's racing and qualifying for the ELMS cars earlier on today. Support categories as well. All free to get into and enjoy this racing late on into the evening. And although it's not tight for the overall lead, it certainly is for second and third. And Carl Bolt Bessasson takes a little bit of a look at the inside of Adrian Trouillet that time into Le Con corner. So Trier is in a sandwich here because he's got Garrett Gristam ahead of him as well. This is the ninth, 10th and 11th places. Yep, absolutely right. Garrett Grist looking to do what he can to defend his position. Recovering Trier, number nine after penalty. And then the CD Sport, uh, Norma. It was a big squirm there for Adrian Trier. So I think he's going to be struggling for outright speed coming through speaker's corner. Doesn't necessarily make him a sitting duck though for Carl Bolbesson behind and the CD Sport car, but Bolbesson getting closer and this is going to give Garrett Grist a little bit of light relief into Fania corner. The right and the left, very tricky as it gets more and more dusty throughout the two hours. Still 1.2 seconds between Puccini and uh, Ross Gunn. It's like I'm looking at a frozen timing screen. We actually were earlier on today, but we timing were. is working now. And thanks to Wall and Alcamel for solving that little glitch earlier on in the day. 0.7 of a second the margin between Colin Noble and Laurence Hoare. With Duncan Tappy a bit closer this time. 4.1 seconds now the gap between him and the car in front. It was five and a bit. That, most of that uh, gain came with that run wide from Laurence Hoare at Buon. Let's wait to see just exactly what Duncan can do in the closing minutes of this race. Under 10 minutes to go. This is the kind of danger zone in the recent history of this race. There always seems to be something literal or metaphoric spanner thrown in the works. 0.7 of a second means some work to be done for Laurence Fur. We're also paying close attention to the fight between Garrett Gris for United Autosports, Adrian Trier for Graf, Kyle Bolbesson for CD Sports. They are nose to tail, 9th, 10th and 11th. And then Alexander Talkinitzer just slipping away from this trio. That car of Talkinitzer Jr., Talkinitzer Senior, I beg your pardon, is in 12th position, the number 90 car and in turn ahead of the GT3 fight. Are they going to try and go three abreast here? That would not be a good idea on the run up the Kemmel Strait, but it will be a place gained both for Adrian Truyer and Kyle Bolbesson, who go round the outside of Garrett Grist. Now, that might be part and parcel, just the fact that Normas generally are quicker than the Ligier down the straight. Garrett Grist tried his level best, but it's two places lost in the end for the Canadian driver at the end of the Kemmel Strait. Meantime, back in the GT battle, still hanging on in there to see whether or not an error can be forced. Roscoe uh, just dropping back a little here, 1.3 seconds back. Is he just biding his time for another punt at this, or has he used the best of the Michelins at each corner of the Aston Martin? There's also a slight concern about engine temperature because you're in the hot air of that Ferrari, lap after lap after lap, and sometimes you see cars just drop away to, so that they can breathe. 
And maybe Ross is just trying absolutely every trick in the book, realising that Giacomo Puccini is not going to make a mistake. And perhaps this is the time in the race where he's going to settle for second. We'll wait and see, because there are still eight minutes to go, or just less than eight minutes to go. The 71 Ferrari looking a little slow through shot there, but I think that's just because it's up against an LMP3 competition. Dangerous moment here for Colin Noble, because that's backed him back up into Lawrence Herr. And Herr all over the rear now of the Nielsen car. Didn't need second bidding, did he? Well, Lawrence Herr spotted the opportunity. Everything was a little cramped behind the number 71 Ferrari for a few corners. And yes, Colin Noble had to use all his experience to know which side of the Ferrari to go and also not allow the door to be open to Lawrence Herr. Clever driving, heads-up driving from the two of them. And the gap closed to 0.3 of a second. It's still about the same as they start the next lap. Keeping an eye on the sector times in the GT class. I think, uh, at the moment at least, this gun is just dropping back a tiny amount from the Castle car. And in similar vein, moving right under the rear wing of the Nielsen racing car, Lawrence Hurt has dropped a couple of car lengths side by side now, the Graf car and the CD Sports. And it stays the same order. So Trier uh, still ahead of uh, Noble. Bersasson uh, is, well, last time through the split, I it was actually Carl Bersasson just ahead, but I don't think they actually ever ran in that order properly. I, I think it was through the timing being side yes. by side along the Camel Straits. Yes. And it's still Trier ahead. But remember, these two cars in this order were able to get powered by Garrett Grist a lap, probably two laps ago. And it was definitely the Graf car ahead at the time. But Bob Essasson carrying some good speed for CD Sports, who are the Spanish outfit. Another Norma M30 for those drivers. Jack Wolf was a relatively early stopper, I seem to remember. But again, no doubt helped out by the safety car, closing the field up. Five and three-quarter minutes to go. And Colin Noble, having had to deal with the latest bout of pressure from Lawrence Hurt, has... Managed to fend him off again, and now the gap's up to nearly 0.9 of a second. Great defensive drive here from Noble, not easy. They are, amazingly, also catching Nicolas Schatz steadily. It's not going to be enough come the end, but that was an 11-second margin at the start of uh, the full-course yellow, and it's now down to seven and a bit seconds. Tappy, by the way, is just around three seconds back now from this pair. Well, that pair, rather, not this pair. <laughs> movie times down in the pit lane. Yeah, particularly for Graf. As, oh, it's 5.8 seconds now, so maybe there is a slight concern about the speed of Nicolas Schatz towards the end of this race. What do we say about the, the closing minutes of these races, just two hours ago? Well, Adrian Schiller and Nicolas Schatz know how to win a 55-minute race. They were victorious on Thursday of Le Mans week earlier on this year. These, these are the two class leaders. Together is, on track, yeah. That okay. is the 39 car. Maybe that's what was delaying the 39 car, was dealing with the GT class leaders. It's now cleared the Kessel car. We could see on the start-finish straight, in a row, 1-2 in GT, 1-2-3-4 in LMP3 on the same piece of real estate. So this would be, if they could do it, a first victory for Graf in the 39 car for the regular two-hour races. As I say, they were victorious in the first Le Mans race.
during the build-up to the 24 hours earlier on in the year in June. That's a key moment. This is where we see whether or not there is an issue around pace for that 39 car. As they clear the next timing sector, I suspect there isn't. Well, there is, but not for the, the reason we thought, but because the two closing cars are putting in fastest sectors of the race. Briefly went to Colin Noble, went immediately to Lawrence Herr, and barely any difference is Duncan Tappy. Top four now separated by under 10 seconds. But with the battling pair for second position now having to deal with the two GT cars that the leader, the 39 car, has already got by. Lawrence Herr is closing again here. He's going to be looking for the opportunity if he can possibly get it. This is a moment for Colin Noble. To pick his moment to get by the Aston Martin. Ross Gunn sees them coming. Her aggressive again in attack. Yes. Again, though, Colin Noble absolutely unflappable. Did very, very well there to not only get the place on the Aston Martin, but also keep his car wide enough into Lafania corner to fend off Laurence Hur, who jinked to the right in the very last minute. But Colin Noble read it perfectly. And it's actually gained advantage there. Yeah. He's actually gained a, a car length or so. Another black and white flag for Mikkel Mann for abusive track, track limits. He's going to have to watch himself here. That's the second one at least. He's not going to lose places with a drive through at this stage. No. And actually now running in sixth position, so it's going to be slightly better points than uh, when I previously calculated it. So back to the abacus I will go. And uh, that will be for sixth place. Eight points, won't it? Um, so, yeah, bring the gap down again. But we've still, crucially, got the Kessel Racing car winning the race. Um, so we're looking at something like a nine-point advantage for Pacini and Pianazzola to head to Portugal in just over a month's time. It effectively means um, that the losing racing car has got to win and has got to hope. That's, that something befalls the brake car that doesn't finish that second, yeah, because that's only seven points. Because a win and pole position is not enough. Yeah, well, even if the even if the Ferrari finished uh, the, the Laverne and Mack Ferrari won the race and then Puccini and Pianzola finished in third position, that wouldn't be enough unless Laverne and Mack were able to get pole in Portugal. All of a sudden, by the way, that was a slow lap for Duncan Tappy in the 220s. That's a good three seconds slower than he's been lately. Car going way, way off the track there. Now, was that a car that uh, the graph machine had just lapped? Yeah, I think it was a CD Sport car, CD actually. Sport car, missing it. the apex at Pouan. Thankfully, not finding anything solid. Running so far wide across the, uh, the runoff area into the tyre wall. So, final minute before time is up. And the race leader is, I think, close enough to force an extra lap I out agree. of this towards the finish line because the race leader just approaching Fania Corner now. So he's got the whole of the final sector to do, but that for a, an LMP3 car only takes about 35 seconds. And if there are still 35 seconds, it's going to be tight, this, actually. As it crosses the, the split, there are 35 seconds on the clock. So this is going this to be very, very tight. And with six seconds to go... If Graf are canny about this, they will get in touch with Nicolas Schatz to say, just feather the throttle through Blanchemont. You only need to gain something like half a second, or lose half a second, should I say. And this will be the finish of the race. Had to deal with the Porsche. That will have cost it a bit of time as well. And if this final sector, this sector can take 36 or 37 seconds, 
No trouble at all for Nicolas Schatz. Four seconds, three, two. The chequered flag's going to be shown now. This is the end of the race. It's very tight indeed on the clock. But Nicolas Schatz driving an exemplary finish. Well, exemplary stint, let's face it. And ably backed up as well by his teammate at Graf Adrian Schiller. A full round of applause down at the French squad. Quite rightly so. Colin Noble falling short by just 4.8 seconds. But crucially for Colin, he stayed ahead of Lars Hoer the DKR engineering Norma. Duncan Tappy does come home fourth and the speed was rapidly dropping off from uh, that London racing car 220 and 222 for the last two uh, last two laps in the GT class it was indeed Giacomo Piccini bringing back bringing home the number eight car the Kessel racing car to take the win Ross Gunn with Andrew Howard in the 99 Beach DNMR car claim a second position finish will be delighted with that in the spirit of race 51 Christoph Ulrich with her faultless performance in the first half of the race Maurizio Mediani uh, from third position and critically championship leader comes home better than safe and the winning margin in GT3 was 1.2 seconds that's basically the margin that remained for about the last 45 minutes of the race it did vary from lap to lap but generally speaking Ross Gunn just couldn't make any further impression on Giacomo Puccini who was unflappable throughout that final stint congratulations to he and Sergio Pianazzola they take the maximum 25 points but it's a good points haul for Ross Gunn and for his teammate Andrew Howard we heard from a little earlier on uh, down in the JMW Motorsport pits uh, but of course the Beach Dean AMR crew are the ones that get the 18 for second position well done to Nicolas Schatz very very happy with his afternoon's performance he'll be joined in just a second by Adrian Schiller his teammate the French national anthem that we will hear on the top step of the podium, at least in the LMP3 category. Very, very happy indeed are the Kessel Racing duo, Pianazzola and Giacomo Piccini. And Piccini made to work today. He will have felt that, I'm sure, because he could not afford to make a single error in that final stint. And Andrea Puccini, sadly, not getting to the finish because of power steering failure for car number 60. But good to still send some joy in his heart for his brother. And yeah. uh, the Puccini brothers, very much a part of this Kessel Racing revival. And uh, coming into ACO Rules Racing over the last couple of years, and lots more of these days, I think, to come. But uh, great stuff, great scenes still. Bright sunshine to greet the guys to the podium. It's always a nice way to finish your racing day. Uh, Graf from Nielsen from DKR, the 1-2-3. Kessel from Beach Dean AMR from Spirit of Race in GT3. And so much to that narrative throughout the course of the two hours. We did warn you that that would be the case. And, of course, with the championship leaders uh, only able to make third position in LMP3. And far from the ideal race for the 71 crew, they do score points, but nothing like the 25 that the number eight Ferrari has managed to do. Let's hear from the Graf duo, though, with Charlie. Well, guys, congratulations. I can see how happy you are taking your second win of the season. Yes, I'm very happy because uh, these races are very strong. So Deca, Mr. O, etc. are very fast, so... Uh, I did my maximum in the Norma, and uh, uh, it's a big pleasure. And when uh, we win with 
Adrien. It's very cool. Super. Enjoy celebrating. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so congratulations to Nicolas Schatz, Adrien Schiller, the man of very few words indeed. I think he wanted to uh, have a, a quick say, but he's going to be rushed to the podium. And now we concentrate on the winners in GT3 with photographs with uh, the two gentlemen that raced or were here to race the 60 car. Sadly, we only saw a stint from Adrian, uh, sorry, uh, uh, from Andrea Pacini, and we did not see anything from Claudio Schiavone, sadly. Uh, but Schiavone will be back in Portugal, I'm sure. The winning margin then in LMP3, 4.8 seconds for the number 39 graph car from Nielsen Racing. Colin Noble pushed all the way to the finish by Laurence Hur for DKR Engineering, still scoring third place points. So it's 15 to the number three crew. Lannan Racing coming back after massive issues at Barcelona a huge crash for Mikey Benham an eventful race for Mikey Benham I think it's fair to say but Duncan Tappy gets the car home in fourth position now we can get some reaction from Kessel Racing from Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Puccini congratulations guys a third win of the season it was quite a defensive race at the end yeah it was tough you know normally my teammate does the biggest part of the job and give me the car with a lot of advantage but uh, due to the penalization and the safety car the race was tough the aston had an amazing pace gun was really really pushing but i managed to be concentrate the car was fantastic honestly the car was really really great the team everyone did an amazing job so i'm pretty pretty happy for probably the best win we've had this year and more valuable championship points definitely definitely that's the most important thing well done. Thank you very much. I think it's probably the victory that means the most because they had to work the hardest for it. And Pianazzola, if anything, were the easier of the two stints. Giacomo Puccini uh, with a bit of sweat on the brow. Certainly it's a warm evening here at Spa-Francorchamps uh, and has been a cracking weekend so far. Another day to come for the ELMS cars, of course, that are still in the garage. So just before four o'clock, we got the fifth round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup underway and the fireworks started very early indeed. To the left of your picture, a schmozzle, it's fair to say, between Jim Maguire and the Fabian Laverne-driven Ferrari. The Kia racing car was involved along with the 74 of Maurice Smith that was left in the middle of the road as well. Jim Maguire leaving the scene somewhat red-faced, had to take a drive-through for his part in that. And Fabian Laverne all of a sudden realising his front left tyre was down as a result, needing to make a pit stop after just one racing lap was completed. Good little move there from Andrea Piccini on Christoph Ulrich earlier on in the piece, but the power steering would fail on that car later on. 25, Mikey Benham, that was the second of a few incidents that he had to deal with, facing the concrete at the exit of La Source. The two Graf Normas switch places with uh, the 39 car, the eventual winner, of course, gifting that place on that occasion to Eric Truyer, who started uh, like a man possessed. Uh, and then Eric Dodonka with a move up the inside of Mari Tiotto didn't quite come off at Campus Corner. Later on, about 50 minutes into the race, the 74 car would hit drama. This was related to that get-together at La Source on the first lap. And we reckon part of the, uh, the rear right... Um, bullets, the legality panel exploded because of tyre rub. Kia Racing's machine would grind to a halt at turn nine, and that needs to be recovered during a full course yellow. Nice little overtake for Alex Mortimer on Garrett Gris, the 23 car, and the Grey Market Racing machine would come further back up the order as well after it was well driven by Mark Crader in the early stages. 
This was the moment where the DKR engineering car had to serve a drive-through, or a stop-go, in fact, because of the wheels spinning during its previous pit stop. It fed back into the mixture in third position, which is where it would finish. But the race winner, Nicolas Schatz, timing his run to the line perfectly. There was a chance that the chequered flag wouldn't be shown, but then with just a second left on the clock, he came out of the bus stop chicane and cemented the race victory. Also, this was the moment where the GT3s crossed the line and it was Giacomo Puccini together with Sergio Pianazzola who take another victory for Kessel Racing ahead of Beach Dean AMR. And the podium presentation is now being prepared. Bottles of champagne ready to be presented. To Colin Noble and to Tony Wells. Colin deep in conversation now with Tony. I think we need to do something about that for tomorrow. Possibly talking about the lack of grip out there, or indeed just their, their particular chosen setup, which can be adjusted for tomorrow because these two gentlemen will take part in the European Le Mans series race. A four-hour affair tomorrow, which is due for a 12.30 start. And the potential for a little bit of changeable weather as well around Spa-Francorchamps. It wouldn't be a small weekend at Spa if we didn't have a bit of precipitation, let's face it. Two glorious days so far. I think it was pretty good for test, Tester earlier on in the week as well. Tony Wells quickly over to the Graf duo of Nicolas Schatz and Adrian Schiller to offer his congratulations as well. But it is a Norma top three, tellingly. The M30, a very strong car to have this weekend in Spa, Bess Ligiers finishing 5th and 6th places in the hands of Dino Linardi for Motorsport 98 and Michele Rugolo for Spirit of Race. Rugolo um, able to put in one or two late overtakes actually to make his run to the flag very entertaining indeed. Yeah, he was pushing hard at the end, Lawrence Hurt was pushing hard at the end, it made it very entertaining and uh, actually what defied this race for me uh, unusually for Michelin Le Mans Cup race was some real high quality defensive drive and we look at one of the men who are responsible for that at the moment with, uh, with Colin Noble uh, and also uh, we were talking to one of them a little earlier with Giacomo Puccini uh, fending off and soaking up the pressure from Ross Gunn and uh, giving the credit wasn't he to Ross Gunn for the pace that Aston Martin was able to show there yeah, well, that's the beauty of having very different machinery, equalised courtesy of the balance of performance data, and that can be done with weight on the cars, but also to do with the amount of turbo that each of those cars is given as well, because the Ferrari, of course, these days turbocharged, as is the Aston Martin. And it's designed so that uh, the cars can be equalised across many different types of circuit as well. Third step of the podium for the LMP3s then, Laurence Hur and Francois Kerman. And handshakes all round between those two gentlemen and Tony Wells and Colin Noble, who will take to the second step of the podium for Nielsen Racing. But a jubilant pair here for Graf, who danced their way to the top step. It's Nicolas Schatz and Adrian Chiller. Well done to the 39 squad. And we'll hear the French national anthem for the winning team in just a second.
Those two, by the way, I think Schiller and Nicolas Schatz coming to Spa, fourth in the championship. That could not be. They're properly up there now. They finished ahead of Duncan Tappy and Mikey Bennett, uh, just behind Tony Wells and Colin Noble. So close the gap here and there. Um, they gained ground on Tappy and Bennett, but unfortunately for them, Wells and Noble have opened up the gap a little bit. But it's going to be interesting when the points are revealed in a moment or two on the graphics slate to see how we sit with one more race to go. Gilles Duquesne is a keen observer. Of the owner of the Norma project that will become a Duquesne car and the Duquesne diesel open to be the new car in 2020. Places the Norma M30 with the new rules. Aero, safety, new engine. Yeah, and that car was on display on the Friday of Le Mans, where an all four chassis could be seen, in fact. Uh, on the through the Dunlop curve. In fact, not that one. That oh, was right. a normal run 30. Um, although Duquesne are selling cars, talking to two or three teams this weekend. So that the, was the plaque next to it read Duquesne, but it was actually a normal run Gotcha. Uh, the corks are now unleashed from the bottles, and a very warm afternoon stroke evening is now going to get a very wet afternoon and evening. <laughs> As, uh, you can tell how hard these six gentlemen have been working over the last two hours and very, very happy to release some pressure, some pent-up aggression. 99 points, uh, Francois Kerman and Laurence Hur, and it's going to be a 20-point advantage then heading to Portimao over Tony Wells and Colin Noble. Just a point back, Duncan Tappy and Mikey Benham and Adrian Chiller and Nicolas Schatz do stay fourth, but they're only 10 points, nine and a half points back from Tappy and Benham. So we've got a bit of a fight on for third in the championship. Kerman and Horn need an absolute nightmare, though, to throw this one away. With 26 available and a points lead of 20 points. We have seen it happen, though. A DNF would be a disaster. Completely. That's, that's the point. It's, yep. it's a DNF, and it can happen. Yep. Now we've got a look at what happened at turn one here. Uh, indeed, yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to be involved in that when it's not even of your making. Portimao also has just this... This, this habit of, of, prevent, of uh, creating a scenario which you could never have quite had the foresight to see. Uh, 20 points it is for the DKR Engineering squad over Nielsen Racing. 78 for Lannan, as I've mentioned. 68 and a half for Graf. United a fifth with their 24 car on 29 and a half. And two points further back from that, the, the green and black DKR Engineering machine. Uh, car number five with 27 and a half points. And it's grain market racing, racing experience, Motorsport 98 and the other Graf car to complete the top 10. LMP3 done and the GT3 podium has now been dressed and is ready to receive drivers. For the first two then, finishing in third position, a good stint I thought in the opening stages from Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani did what was re required of him really. Uh, never missing a beat and getting the car home in third position, car 51. Second place goes the way of Beach Dean AMR, Andrew Howard, who we heard from earlier on, and Ross Gunn standing now to Andrew's left. But it's another victory for Giacomo Piccini and Sergio Pianazzola. Pianazzola with a punch to the air there. Very happy indeed to extend the points gap will actually swing the pendulum from Lucic Racing back in the favour of Kessel Racing. Let's hear the national anthem of the winning team.
national anthem of Switzerland for Kessel Racing and big smiles all around just before the trophies and the bottles of champagne are presented. Astonishing how often we hear the Swiss national anthem in <laughs> international motorsport bearing them on their history with international racing. Indeed so, no, but Switzerland well represented on both grids actually this weekend, Michelin Le Mans Cup and ELMS. A race well thought that one in GT. I think Beachstein could give a great deal more. And when you get to the, the drivers of the calibre of Giacomo Pacini and Ross Gott, there's just literally nothing between them. I mean, 1.2 seconds at the start of their stint stayed at 1.2 seconds to the finish. Which is the way it should be. Indeed. Actually. Yeah, between two very radically different cars. You know, one front engine, four litre twin turbocharged, the other... Well, close to the same CC, but mid-engine, so the weight dispersal is completely different on a Ferrari. But Puccini not really needing to put the elbows out too excessively. He just had the measure of Ross Gunn's pace, despite Ross's every effort. But this has spiced up the championship because the championship leaders coming here to Spa only finishing in sixth position. They'll get eight points for that, but it's the full 25 to Puccini and Pianazzola. So it is going to be a nine-point advantage now in the favour of Kessel Racing. Back to the Laverne and Mickel-Mack duo from Lusik, and then Andrew Howard and Ross gone because of that second-place finish. Slot into third now in the championship. But crucially... Only the top two crews can now win this championship. Yeah. That's the major change beyond the switch in leadership, is that uh, the chasing teams, which could mathematically have done it, because one of those top two teams has scored heavily and the other one scored, it means that now just the Kessel Racing number 8 crew or the 71 Lusic Racing crew uh, can take this title. And remember, with it, Alamon place. Yeah, really, those down in the sort of mid-40s points-wise coming here wanted a non-finish from both the 71 and the 8 to ensure that they could be involved in a championship battle in Portugal. As we thought, that's not going to be the case. A two-horse race then heading to the Algarve at the end of October. And in a moment or two, the next lot of graphics will give us the rundown for the teams, which isn't radically different, let's face it, from the drivers either, but it does tend to neaten things up. Here we go. 105 points then for Kessel Racing. They are on the verge of defending their title, having taken that in 2018, and another chance to go to Le Mans in 2020. Lusik Racing, though, will be all out to try and beat them to the flag. Beach Dean slotting into third, as I say, ahead of Spirit of Race, who finished third in this race. They're on now 59 points. The SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes 51 and the Ebby Motors Porsche, the car that ground to a halt in qualifying earlier on today, sixth place with 39 points. Now what that means is, even with a pole and a win for Lusic Racing in Portimao, second place will be enough for Castle Racing. Yes, uh, it'll be tight. Uh, possibly one of the closest finishes we will have had if that set of results comes true. Uh, but yeah, Lusik Racing, maybe because of all the hard work they did in the early part of the season, you could say deserve it. But it's not about how early you get the points in. It's just getting enough of them. Unless it goes to count back and the points are that similar, then it really will go down to race wins and how early in the season you might have scored that race win or that second place or that fourth place. One thing's for sure, you'll want to be around in about five weeks' time as we head to the Algarve International Circuit for the final event of the year for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Round six of the championship with both the LMP3 and the GT3 trophies in the balance.
a cracking afternoon's racing, I thought, and that sets the scene nicely for the European Le Mans series, which will take place here tomorrow at 12.30 through till half past four. There are potentially championships that could be wrapped up tomorrow here uh, with ELMS, or will it extend to Portugal? So... This two-hour race then started with a little bit of carnage, I'm afraid to say, with LMP3s and the Ferrari of Fabian Leverne getting hooked up together as that natural pinch point. You turn right at La Source, that very tight right-hander which has been here since Spa came into being and cars littering the circuit, not least the 71 Fabian Leverne Ferrari which had to limp its way through Eau Rouge and Randy on they were the championship leaders and also Jim Maguire, judged to be at fault for much of that, had to take a drive-through penalty. Early jostling for position between Andrea Pacini and Christoph Ulrich. Of course, uh, Kessel deciding to put their gun driver in for the first stint. That was a moment for Mikey Benham after he just caught the back of Marcello Maratiotto's DKR LMP3. The two graph cars switched positions. This was Eric Truyer getting ahead of the eventual race winner. But uh, the courtesy given there by Adrian Schiller at the time. Up the inside, that didn't quite work for Eric de Donker on the inside of... Marcello Maratiotto again and a half spin for the Motorsport 98 car. This a dramatic moment where shards of carbon fibre were left across the track at the end of the Camel Straight after uh, parts of the bodywork on the number 74 car effectively exploded after so much tyre rub. And that was all as a result of the carnage at the first corner on the opening lap. Keo Racing's race would end here at Speaker's Corner for Johan Jokinen early on in his stint and a full course yellow had to be brought out to recover that car. Neat little overtake there for the grey market racing machine at the end of the Camel Straight. A stop go for DKR because of wheels spinning during their pit stop. They would feed back in right behind Colin Noble's number seven Nielsen Racing entry, uh, the number two car, I beg your pardon. So that car from the lead, the orange and black car from the lead back down to third position where it would eventually finish. But there was no stopping Nicolas Schatz and Adrian Schiller for his opening stint as well. The chequered flag came out just in time for the two French drivers and the all-French Graf squad to take a first victory since Le Mans, but crucially their first two-hour victory of the year. And victory in GT3 going the way of Kessel Racing, Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Puccini. So that uh, draws to a close our first uh, event, our first uh, long-distance race of the weekend. There is one more event to look forward to. That's the European Le Mans series, but it certainly sets things up very nicely with it, one race to go in the Michelin most, Le Mans Cup. It most certainly does. Great two hours of racing this afternoon, four hours to come tomorrow. Will we get some weather? We'll wait and see. What we're going to have is a quick grid of prototypes and GT cars and the ELMS sets once again Johnny secure its spot amongst the best endurance racing on the planet loads of fans out on the grid at the start of this stayed till the end to enjoy uh, relentless action from the Michelin Le Mans Cup we could well have seen one or two stars of the future in the ELMS and maybe into the Le Mans 24 hours in a few years time as well Michelin Le Mans Cup continues to go from strength to strength. We hope you enjoyed the last two hours. My thanks to Graham Goodwin of DailySportsClub.com. From Johnny Palmer, be sure to join us tomorrow for the ELMS. Bye for now.
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.